Happy Halloween, everybody. Welcome to episode 180 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, we're discussing some collectible historical survival horror games. Some games before Resident Evil, some games after Resident Evil, and shocker of shocks, Resident Evil. So tell your mom about the show, give us five stars on iTunes, and let's start. Welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler, here with Johnny. Stefan just left us five minutes ago for a work emergency on a Saturday. That sucks. So what's going on, just Johnny? We'll see if Stefan uh, can fix his shit and come back later in this episode. Hi, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. It is. It's 1 p.m. right now. A rare, quote-unquote, morning show for us. I've got all the energy. Uh, I'm feeling great, Johnny. Woo! You're doing it. I, I have... I have all the energy in me because life has not sucked it away from me yet. Uh, or the day, I should say. Uh, it's not uh, the waning hours where I'm like, oh, God, why am I still awake? Oh, Let's yeah, do let, it. Let, let, tell me about how late you have to stay up to record this oh, show. Oh, don't. See, like, don't don't start. You're always up that late. You're all, uh, you, you sell I this false narrative. My, <laughs> I spent the last two years narrative. dragging through life because I stay up until 4 a.m. And then I have to wake up and go to work, Johnny. Okay. How many hours a night are you sleeping? Uh, five. Okay, me too. So. All right. Well, we, we, we can't compete with each other on who is the least healthy person, Johnny. <laughs> My, that's No, it's, it's not good. But you're always like, trying to tell people like, oh, man, it's Johnny keeping me up <sighs> for this show. I would definitely be in bed if it wasn't for. No, you would yes, not. Yes, I, I need to. Randomly, you're, you're messaging uh. me and I'm like. I, it's 1 a.m. I'm going to bed. Why are you messaging me right now, Tyler? So that's not me keeping you up. This is some bullshit you keep telling to the people. You aren't a good sleeper, and you do dumb things and make bad choices when it's involving sleep. Don't blame Collector's Quest. Guys, Collector's this is Quest a you is problem. ruining my life. Um, I just need to put that out there. It's, uh, it's a pretty spooky occurrence. <laughs> Yeah, that is a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Stretch Armstrong stretching. This is not, whoa. Uh, it's making it hard for me to survive out there. Yeah, it, you know what's horrible is this whole thing you're doing. <laughs> uh, Johnny, what yeah. a great transition. We're, we're talking whoa. about the history of survival horror. Not, we're not talking about the history of survival horror games. We're talking about collecting the history of survival horror. Uh because we want to buy and own this stuff, because if you don't have a museum in your house, what do you even do in collecting video games? Yeah, if you aren't already applying for your museum status, just get out. It's true. Right? Yeah. And because I mean, we're all, that's what we're all doing, right? We're all, we're all just historians. We're creating archives, and we're definitely going to have a museum one day, and that's how we justify owning this many games. Absolutely. I mean, when you think of mm -hmm. video game museum, you think uh, like they, they want the stadium events because people from the public are going to want to come in and see like, whoa, that's stadium events. Never heard of it. Or they want to see uh, a sealed Super Mario Brothers in the museum. That's a real museum piece. Uh, museums are definitely known for uh, getting items and then not being able to show what that item actually is in their exhibit. Uh, it's really helpful when uh, 
discussing well, some historical. Are, are you saying museum? Like, what are you pronouncing museum weird? I can't. Uh, there's some words I can't pronounce. Uh, museum, oh, okay. sewer. I don't know. Um, okay. I, as I say, capture I weird. Okay. I just didn't know if it was a thing. I was asking. Like, it's, am it's I hearing it wrong? I can't pronounce. I don't All know. right. All right, yeah. Um, hey, Tower, can we talk about museums a little bit more for just a second? Absolutely. Uh, and I just want to say, have you ever been to any museum exhibits ever <laughs> yes, in your life? I, I have, okay. Johnny. Wow. Okay. okay, so here's what I've noticed about many of these museum exhibits, especially when they're talking about the history of something or they never show everything. So it's always like guys like me who have like, I don't know, you know, and yourself like way too many games. And they're always like, this is for a museum. That's not ever how a museum exhibit works. They usually like highlight a few like story pieces uh, that create the narrative. And there's like 20 of them in an exhibit or maybe 30 and sometimes even like last down to like five if it's, you know, depending on what the product is. But it's never like thousands of of artifacts. They're not like here it is for the museum. Uh, yes. So. And and speaking of that word artifact, when when you're thinking of like an actual museum, like they've got a serious exhibit, they're not showing the ma- mass produced items. Like you go to the museum of the moving image and you start going through some of like their film exhibits. They don't have a VHS of the Exorcist. They have the girl with the spinning head from the Exorcist. Uh, yeah. That's a real museum piece. Yeah. So, I, anyways, just uh, it's just funny. Uh, I've been hearing a lot more guys talking about how they're building their museums with, uh, especially with their water games. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be really interesting. People really just want to see. Like, I want to see a wall of those, but I, I don't know if I could convince people to walk into a museum to see to see just like a bunch of nine point eights. Uh. Because I, mean, I just there, don't think that matters. There was a comic museum. I've talked about this on the show. I think it was uh, Jeppy's. I don't know how to pronounce it. Johnny, you're Italian. It was a, it's a comic museum and, and like a pop culture museum, but it, it, I think it closed down. But he, it was just literally like 20,000 comics set up in a museum. None of them graded, obviously. But you just walk in. It's like, oh, there's Action Comics 1. There's Batman number 1. There's, there's all these amazing comics. And... Uh, like obviously, once like people, there's a display for that for the people who care. But then, what all the the moms and dads who are going there for? Are just like here's a whole wall of like really cool 1950s artwork, and it, it doesn't matter how rare they are, or what they're graded. This is just here's just like a, a sp- smattering of what these kind of books look like, and yeah, they look really cool. Yeah, uh, the idea of the museum is great. Like. But it's got to be more than just that. Anyways, that that we're tangenting hard. That's uh, as. But we're talking about building our museum. Yeah. The strong seems yeah. to be doing a, a pretty good job. They've got like serious research archives. Like they seem to not just be a collector who's like, "Yo, check it out. I got all the shit." Like they've got like serious documents to to dig through and and actual like pieces that actually matter for the history of entertainment. Uh, yeah, I, I just think like if you were going to do this, they like they would just chunk it out in different ways. Like the you know they'd be like, here's the history of Mario. Like you might see this kind of stuff in a documentary or something. Um, rooms like we have, um, but not like in the uh, actual oh, quarters? museum. Yeah, quarters. Yeah, yes, you might okay. see us on a show on TLC. Um, no longer anything about learning. Um, that's like a huge fall from grace, by the way, to be called the learning channel and then just to be whatever it is now. I don't. Now, when was it the learning channel? Because growing it, up in the 90s, I don't remember anything 
smart on TLC? Uh, I mean, it was like the nineties and that, but when it hit like the two, the two thousands, it became closer to tender loving care than it did the learning channel. So, uh, was soul train on TLC? Um, I don't know. Soul train for me was on, on channel five, uh, in the, in the late evenings. Okay. All I remember TLC was the soul train channel. I think they had star Trek too. I don't know. I don't know, Johnny, but yeah. this is not what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know what people want to hear? People want to hear two white dudes talking about soul train. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> You're like, Hey, remember soul train? Well, that's my, my good friend. Let's talk about that. No, no one wants that. Um, Let's let's get out of that territory. Let's talk about something we're qualified to talk about. Tyler, let's talk about survival horror games and the history of collecting them. How about that? Uh yeah, the the, the museum pieces, Johnny. Yeah, the how to how to make a survival horror museum. That's and that this would actually be a better museum than uh me putting all my stuff in a room and being like, this is a video game museum. Because <laughs> this is more in more in tune with how it would be done. So Tyler. It would be a display case with like 30 games in it. Yeah. Um, what What is survival horror? First off, what's because we do a bad job on this and we've been called out and people ask us to do this right all the time. Um, we assume that the audience knows too much. But so oh, what is survival horror traditionally? Like what? Okay. What is that thing? So this is one of the strangest genres, I would say, because the term was coined in 1996 with Resident Evil. No. And then it became a genre. Four. And what was it 94 when the Japanese version came out? Did Resident Evil seriously come out in 1994? That seems way too early. Are you are you serious? Oh, no, that was the development. I think I I, I will double check. Keep, continue on with your story. Okay. It doesn't matter. We'll get the date right. All right. So it was coined with Resident Evil and then it kind of became a genre. So there was there was a horror genre and then we kind of made the subgenre of survival horror. And then we went back and started applying the term survival horror to older games that had elements of survival horror. So Resident Evil became the prototype for the genre. And it's got, you know, it's a, it's an action-adventure game that has elements of survival, believe it or not, where you have to survive, which, guess what? In almost every game, you have to survive. But de-emphasized combat, so you might want to run from certain encounters. Uh, that also means limited ammo. Um, just shooting your way through the game is not always the preferable way to play. Limited health, limited speed, just being janky in general is an element of survival horror, I would say, because Resident Evil has things like tank controls and weird camera angles. Um, and people will say, like, if Resident Evil looked like Super Mario 64, it couldn't be as scary because you feel limited in your ability to quickly react and like run away from zombies because it's sort of so obtuse. So kind of being obtuse has become an element of survival horror. So even the most modern games do not use like the snappiest, most modern gameplay mechanics. Uh, they still feel very chunky a lot of the time. So yeah, like even if you run in something like Last of Us, you're not you don't run quickly, you don't jump well, you can't get over most obstacles. You you are you are very much inhibited by the environment and kept in a corral. Sure. It's not Doom 3. Um and so when we go back to like the 80s and start applying all this, 
there's not a lot of game because games were simpler. There's not a lot of games that meet every single criteria of Resident Evil. If we say like Resident Evil is like the perfect prototype, everything in here you need to be a survival horror game. So we just start kind of picking and choosing elements of uh, survival horror and saying like, oh, this there's some influence over here, some influence over here. And it becomes this thing where it's really hard to define like what the first survival horror game is, like what the first like tiny little bit of survival horror is. Uh, so it's, uh, definitely a difficult genre to define. We're going to try do our best to go over some of the more popular, uh, influences for the genre, we'll say. Yeah. And just throwing it out there that the first instance of the name survival horror as a thing was Resident Evil in 1996, as Tyler said, um, they may have been internally called Capcom that is may have internally called it survival horror before that, but it is seen on the packaging of Biohazard, uh, released in Japan. That's the name of Resident Evil in Japan. Um, we'll talk about why the name changed later, but yeah, printed right on the box, survival horror, and thus uh, a genre and uh, nitpicking, as we're going to do here, was born about it. So, <laughs> all right. So let, let's let's go pick some nits. Let's pick some nits, Johnny. What's the first survival horror game? You there's haunted house. We'll, we'll, I'll, we'll, if you go on like the places like Wikipedia or there's like major uh, game journalism sources, everyone has like their own thing and they'll pick like some random weird Japanese game. It'll be like, this is it. This is the first survival horror game. And every one of them you can analyze and be like, eh, eh. And so you could start with really weird stuff like Odyssey Haunted House. Like I'm sure someone could write an essay on how two dots in like two players chasing each other around a haunted house overlay would be survival horror. Uh, probably not. There's this Atari eight bit game called like house of Usher that came out in 1980, which is more of a horror adventure game. But like you start like applying the survival horror, uh, elements to it. And it's like, yeah, there's limited ammo. Yeah. It's a survival game because you can die. Yeah. It's, a horror game technically uh, i don't know if house of usher would count you like run around these top down uh rooms of a house shooting things with a crossbow I, i'm pretty sure you i haven't played house of usher but i think you shoot everything to kill it and they all have a lot of hp so it doesn't seem like the de-emphasized combat is a major part of that i would say de-emphasized combat maybe the most defining aspect of survival horror that would differentiate it from just a straight action game that has a horror theme. Okay. Uh, I'll so take that. the first possible contender for the first true survival horror game, I think Johnny AX two Uchu Usorsen Nostromo for the PC 6001 from 1981. This is the first game where you'll find multiple sources claiming it's kind of the first survival horror game. Have we have we talked about this on the show? Uh, I don't I don't know. You did talk about some weird one before. I think you did talk it is probably, about yeah, this. Yeah, if I one. talked about some weird one, it's probably this. Um you know, so this, this is usually this just is, called What? I'm just going to say this is like so typical of every list that I that I hate that talks about this and just like you were saying, they just like try to pick some one weird obscure Japanese game to sound smart. Is that what you're doing? You're doing this to like try and sound like the smart guy? Be like, no, the first one is. Let me tell you what the real first survival horror game is. Have you heard of? 
And then you go into a weird Japanese game. Is that what's happening right it's, now? So after if I talking really about did more House research, of Usher, I, I want to do this. I, was I, a year before this. What? You talked about House of Usher, which was released a year before. Right. Yeah, like House of Usher is definitely a game like, well, technically, House of Usher for the Atari 8-bit. Like, no one no one has heard of fucking House of Usher. Uh, Nostromo is on Wikipedia. So, like, if you go to Survival Horror Wikipedia, this is one of the first games that appears on there. Um, I feel like this has probably had enough people talk about it on, like, those weird, obscure, hardcore gaming. Like, so many articles have regurgitated Nostromo now that it's become more of a a popular thing to bring up for people who don't actually want to put in research and, like, dig through every single game from the 70s and 80s trying to find something even earlier than Nostromo. Uh, this isn't... I, it, that's, like, a long-term project for me. I want to find something earlier than Nostromo, uh, I want to look more at things like House of Usher, which was a year before. Um, I mean, and all that's well and good, but like, what's the real first survival horror game that people think of? I mean, Resident Evil. What do you mean? <laughs> no, it's it's Haunted House for the Atari. Well, hold on. Let me tell people what Nostromo is. Uh, so you're in a spaceship. It's like a you have it's the spaceship oh, it's, is uh, recommended by ASCII characters. And you're like running around to crates, picking up items, and there's an alien chasing you, and you can't see the alien unless it has line of sight of you, or unless you have line of sight of it. So you're trying to avoid the alien's line of sight. It's like a stealth game, and uh, you're basically escaping a spaceship. And if you run out of like the right items to escape the room, you just die, uh, which is hmm. an awesome mechanic. And then when the alien catches you, there's like a full screen ASCII art alien that's literally, it looks like the alien from aliens that eats you it's great it's great um this game is uncommon i will say in the way that literally any pc 6001 game is uncommon but it's only like i don't know 30 bucks maybe 50 bucks depending on on when you buy it i think it's a cool game to pick up uh it actually it's a mini game compilation i think there's four games on the disc but the cover art is uh is actually of the nostromo horror game and yeah i think it's cool you think that's tell me cool? about tell me about the real first survival horror game though, Johnny, in Haunted House. Uh the first one that uh that you know, especially uh with my biases, is Haunted House for the Atari, because that's you know, it was a home console and that was in more houses uh than these weird PC games that you had to play. And like I know you said uh House of Usher and you kept saying Atari, but I want it to be clear that that was like the with the Atari XE, right? That was like on a tape. It wasn't an Atari game. Yeah, that was an like a twenty six hundred game. game. Yeah, because see, like a lot of times we say Atari and people automatically assume we're talking twenty six hundred. No, this is like predates that. It was just made by Atari. Awesome cover, um, by the way, for House of Usher. People don't talk about that enough. Anyways, um, yeah, a you know haunted house uh, for the Atari twenty six hundred. Came out in 1982. It, we, we've talked about this game on the uh, on the podcast before, but basically, you're a set of eyes wandering around a haunted house, and with a candle, and that's like limited vision. Uh, there's no combat. You just you are trying to escape. You can't attack. It is what it is. Like if you've seen it, you like it has like pretty limited sounds. Got some spiders, some spooky ghosts, and I think this was a fun fact from Tyler. The last time we talked about it is uh, 
when your candle goes out, that's because the monster the monster is close and has blown out uh, your candle. It's the monster's breath blowing out your candle. So, anyways, fun fact about that. This is not. I don't. Uh, so it, I I remember saying that, and now I'm thinking of playing haunted house. I don't remember that happening. I thought it's just on a timer, but maybe I'm crazy because like you can you have the candle I mean, and you can like see bats going through your candlelight. Mm-hmm. So is there a specific monster that blows out your candle? I don't know. This the, I took I that know, from you're, you. I you're thought just it regurgitating just a fact that I threw out, and I'm like, yeah, Johnny, I'm, tell me about this fact. Yeah, tell me about this thing I told you about. I was like, oh, that's a cool thing I just learned from Tyler. Sorry I took you at your word. Um, what can we say about this game? Uh, except there are a few variants, and we can talk about the price. If you want this game... $30. Get yourself a nicest one. Please don't buy a shitty one. It's got classic art. The The box art... Atari is weird because Atari has either amazing box art or just terrible box art. And Haunted House falls closer to amazing than to the terrible stuff. And it, like in the brown box, you know, it kind of fits right into that scheme. That's like the one you probably have noticed the most. Um... I don't know really there's a variance, the standard flap or the glue flap. Is there a good way you can tell what that yeah. is by just looking so, at the front of it? I think the printing on the box is it's identical or it's almost identical. Like the only differences is like under flaps that, that you'll never see in an auction. But uh, the difference between a standard flap and a glued flap is basically when you open Atari games. You, uh, you can never reseal it. There were... Uh, some versions that just came kind of tucked into the box, and I don't think it was even sealed, but it was basically just nope. tucked into the box. Yeah, and just... then some versions you had to rip the flap off the back of the box because it was glued there, and then tuck it into the back of the box. So when you look at the back of the box of those glued games, they'll have like two, like one centimeter diameter dots of glue, and usually like some cardboard stuck to it. And it's just the ugliest shit ever. So ideally, I would say I, there's no value difference. I would just personally get one that wasn't originally glued just because it looks better. Yeah, I have a glue flap version. And yeah, it's just like torn cardboard on the underside. And the like, you really have to buy a box to put like a, a collect, you know, one of the little uh, cases to put it in. Like you can't, you have to put in a box protector because that flap will never just seal down. It just, it always looks horrible. Oh so if yeah. You even it's want like, to look, uh, it's the worst. It's like a cereal box in that like, yeah, you can open yeah. it and there's it, there's technically they've engineered a way to reclose it, but it's never like amazing. No, no, just, yeah, just don't do that. Um, and then there's the one you should be buying because, uh, it's the black box. Black variant, box. Right, Tyler? Black box variant alert. Um, Basically, don't this call is this the, black box. <laughs> it, it is the black box version because it comes in a black box. And uh, in the WADA auctions, they talk about the color of the boxes. So, yeah, they're going to call this the black box version. So this is going to be the, the language going forward, uh, not the Sears Telegame version, which Tyler keeps trying to push on us. Yeah. You want to tell us how Sears Telegames came about and how they got a copy of Atari and turned it into the true, truest collectible version of the game, the black box version? No, I didn't come prepared to talk about how Sears distributes Atari games, but there wow. were Atari games distributed by Sears. They came in their own boxes. They have their own cartridge labels. Uh, it's just a black box haunted house. It says Sears Telegames on it. Probably has a number on the front because we loved numbering our games back then. And uh, it's definitely way rarer than the Atari versions. It's, it's not yeah. like the rarest game ever, but... 
You but can go on eBay and there will find. be multiple Atari versions. There probably won't even be a telegames version. Yeah. So look out for that one, but also, um, they like, they have their own label. So don't like people might improperly marry parts on this one. So just make sure that everything you're getting is to the right version. Um, so, and if you're one of those people who buy cart only, uh, then I would say don't buy the black box cart or buy just the standard, uh, the regular Atari one, because it looks nicer. It might be. Also, right. is this even a survival horror game? Like, I mean, you are trying to survive through a haunted <laughs> mansion. I feel like and... that's such a, you are trying to survive every game. You're trying to survive. So I will, there's de-emphasized the... combat in that. In most Atari games, you fucking shoot things, and in this game, you do just run you, away from things. Yeah, you just you. Well, that's the difference, right? In some games, you're trying like you you can attack to survive, but usually the best thing to do is run away. Like you're not going to win all fights. Okay, Johnny, like, I've this got, is not a game where you can win all fights. If uh, if this game is survival horror, you are you're literally a circle. You're not a circle. You're just eyeballs. Mm. Um running away from spooky things in a maze. If this is survival horror, Pac-Man survival horror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pac-Man, the first survival horror game. Uh, 1980. If, I don't know if it predates house of Usher, but, uh, Pac-Man no, first I, survival I th- horror game. I think some of the difference is the theming, right? Like Pac-Man, you're not, I mean, Pac-Man has ghosts. It's like ghosts. I'll give you, I'll give, but it's not, spooky. it's, it's not a spooky maze. It's just Pac-Man is, and there are ghosts. Right, which is weird because Pac-Man eats the ghosts and then they become ghostier ghosts. Have you ever thought about that? That's weird. The don't, don't even talk there? to me about that. <laughs> don't tell <laughs> so me that Pac- the ghosts turn into ghostier ghosts. <laughs> right? Has anyone ever thought about that? Pac-Man eats a ghost and it's a, now a ghostier ghost until it comes back to life. That's very weird. It's a very weird thing. So, uh, anyways, getting back to what I was uh, the theming. I think on something like haunted house is more like this. We are theming this uh, and branding it like a horror game yeah. because okay. I think that has something to do with it. Right. Because it's not like there are horror games. Right. And like, I think this could just like early instances of horror games all have these kind of elements, but it, it is a particular branding and the style of game. Like this is a horror game. We're trying to do this particular thing. Pac-Man is not that Pac-Man is, is a uh, survival maze game. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't definitely know. a maze a game, game. But I've never even, like, I, I just had this thought. I didn't prepare this at all. But, like, Pac-Man, you're running away from ghosts, which is a horror element. And I've never yep. thought of it like that. Because it's not a scary game, obviously. Yeah. Um, but that's weird. I've just never thought of that. No, I, I agree. That's I, I think that's an interesting an interesting de- debate to have on it. Yeah. And yeah. we like and we're talking about like some of these like old games from nineteen eighty. You go into like the seventies and there's games like Zork, which we didn't even bring up. Like Zork, when you're navigating the maze, you've got to keep a lantern lit and like the Gru blows out your lantern. Like, there's definitely horror el- survival horror elements in Zork, but it's not a branded survival horror game. It's definitely more of an adventure game. But like we can't we would be here all day talking about games from the seventies and eighties. If like, there's just one element of survival horror that you needed. Um, yeah. And I don't know if haunted house and like or any of the games we've been talking uh, like qual fully qualify as like what survival horror is now, because it's definitely not just this, but you can see that these are the precursors. These are the things that yeah. have were looked at in other games 
that influenced the game that influenced you know resident evil so it, you know it's uh got the hockey assist going on and if you don't know what a hockey assist it's uh not the not the game like so an assist is I give you the ball, you score. That's I get the assist. And hockey, the guy who gave me the the puck, and then I give to you is also an assist. The guy who gave it to me to give to you, hockey assist. I'm just showing a chain of events that lead to an outcome. Um, is what I'm talking about here. Sure, I shouldn't talk about sports too much. Let's move on. <laughs> so, uh, I put one on here. This isn't one that's like current in all the lists of like here's the predecessors to survival horror, but Halloween on Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Uh, just something I thought of because we were talking about haunted house. In Halloween, you are you're running away from Michael Myers, um, and you're like rescuing kids and and bringing them to different levels of the house. But it's definitely scary because the music only plays when uh, Michael Myers is on screen. I mean, it's got decapitations. I think I, I might be getting it mixed up with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas I'm pretty sure Chainsaw Halloween Masquerade. has decapitations. Uh, I think Texas Chainsaw has some cut in half. Okay, yeah. So I think uh, Michael Myers hits you and then your head literally disappears and there's blood spurting out. Like, it's pretty fucking horrible for Atari 2600. Um, And like, you just run away. I don't remember if there's any way to attack Michael Myers in Halloween, but when you look at the elements, if Haunted House counts, I would definitely say Halloween counts, but, you know, it came out after Haunted House. So I think it's it's definitely a, a, certainly a bit in the history of horror games. I don't know how much it is in survival horror uh, and I have no idea what Halloween costs anymore. Eight hundred dollars. The cost gonna... is the cost is X, right? And X is always going to be equal to uh, five hundred dollars or more at this point. Yeah. Um, and that's just like cart only versions go for crazy money. Um, yeah, box versions, and there's so many fakes. This is a very hard game to get and narrow down. And then there was the labelless versions, which then people put on like real looking labels, which mess it up even further. Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are complicated games to to go by. It's not just a money thing. Um, it's just like hard to prove the identity yeah. uh, of the game and the legitimacy of. So if you really want one, uh, do what I did and buy a sweet fake one and then be <laughs> a, a, a dummy. And, but then uh, at least you got a copy. You know what? Let's relate to current events. Uh, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre were put out by Wizard Video, and VHS collecting is a thing now, Johnny, so maybe these games will be more popular now, because there is the link to VHS collecting. Yeah. A collecting like, category nobody needed to actually be more cares popular. About. Shout out to Chris. You, you actually care. We know. I know. Uh, well, look, well, and we say, we give horror, we give all VHS, like horror VHS collectors a pass. And that's a thing, right? That's not just oh, like, yeah. I bought my copy of Batman 89 and now I'm going to be rich. <laughs> like, Or like people not- are like, man, I really love the the first releases of, of Indiana Jones and the, the, man, the box art. And man, everyone should really appreciate this thing that I didn't know existed three months ago. It's so... Yeah. It's so well, strange I- how people talk. Everyone talks in a way of like trying to hype up what they have. Uh, just say I've definitely joined like VHS Facebook groups and things just to see how people talk about it. And I love it. I, I mean, we were on that hype train early. We got on like pretty early. We, if we had been investing, we would have made some serious money, Tyler. That's all I'm saying. Sure. You could have, uh, you could have probably 4,000 times your money by buying the Shiba Inu cryptocurrency, which everybody knew was a dumb joke. And 
a ripoff of when, Dogecoin, yet you still could have been a billionaire if you bought yeah, a bunch well, of it like two years ago. The best thing that you will find on the collector's quest as far as like want, want, want moments is I, I'm pretty sure this was in one of our episodes is you and I talking about Dogecoin and how we should just buy Dogecoin um, and then not buying Dogecoin and then not 100xing our money by not buying Dogecoin. Uh, we, easily. We could have more than 100 yeah. x it if we probably yeah. talked about it then. Um, yeah. uh, market cap of Dogecoin is $35 billion right now. Yeah. Oh, shit. I haven't so, even passed it. Weird. So. Anyway. Anyways. Yeah. We're um, not talking about crypto. That's a no, real No, it's interesting. You know what? No, thing. I'm going to make a crypto thing. What's, what's Bitcoin at right now? So 60,000. Bitcoin's a $60,000 thing right now. Uh, I believe that's that is, that's not an all-time high. It's basically near an all-time high. And it recently, like, almost doubled um, because of some stock market thing. We don't need to get into it. Uh, but there was recently like the WADA whatever auction, the the Heritage Auction signature auction, and prices were pretty like eh in that auction. And I I'd always thought there was like a strong link between how cryptocurrency is doing and how games are doing, just because there's been so many overnight millionaires. Well, um, I mean, I think that is true. Like in collectibles market, there has been shown links. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But, yeah. I mean, because everything is up, including cryptocurrency. But now, like cryptocurrency markets have doubled and 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 the prices of video games have not been directly linked to it and i mean we're still in like such a everything is frothy kind of market but uh well and then you know after the carl jopes stuff like maybe people maybe people talked a big game but then also got a little more hesitant i don't think anyone cares about carl jopes video i don't i don't think I, I mean, I'm anyone who's spending like a hundred thousand dollars in a thing, they're not like, oh no, what if it's all market manipulation? They're like, I'm no. going to manipulate the market and get someone to spend a hundred thousand dollars more than I paid for it. Yes, but I'm saying like maybe, maybe the sentiment of walking into the market like is generally down, not like the pervasive energy of what the market is is down uh, because of these things. It's just a, com- a compound effect. Anyways. Uh, maybe yeah i don't i don't care i don't care about that let's maybe let's we're gonna about talk it. about it more later in the show though johnny yeah, oh maybe, spoilers maybe we sure are Woo. Uh, okay um t- tell me about this dumbass game you put on here <laughs> 3d monster maze this is another you kind mean 3D of 3d monster eh. chase so <laughs> 3d monster maze is a no, ZXE. 3D monster chase oh my god johnny <laughs> 3D Monster Maze is a ZX81 game that came out in 1982, which is not 3D Monster Chase, which is a much more common ZX Spectrum game. So the ZX81 is different than the ZX Spectrum? There's the ZX80, 81, and then Spectrum. God, microcomputers are bullshit. Oh, microcomputers are such bullshit, Johnny. Come into this world with me. I Uh, own microcomputer games. Imagine me saying that five years ago. I know. You've got cool ones. You've got horror ones. I do. I'm in. All right. Tell tell me more about 3D Monster Chase. I mean, 3D Monster Maze, which is definitely th- not 3D Monster Chase. It sounds a little cooler than it is. I think the concept could be cooler, but the execution is great. So 3D I, Monster Maze sounds like a mazeful. Tyler. What? Tyler. In 3D Monster Chase, are you in a maze? Can it's not Monster Chase, Johnny. <laughs> I just can't. Sorry. Okay, go on. In 3D Monster Maze, you are in a maze. It sounds like you're running away from monsters. You're actually running away from a T-Rex, which I think is less cool. 
Uh, it would be cooler if like every level had like, oh, you're running away from the mummy. You're running away from a vampire. But the cool part of this game is a first person 3D maze game in 1980. You're running away from a T-Rex? You are running away from a T-Rex. Instead of like any of the monsters available in the whole world, they chose yes. a T-Rex? Okay. Dinosaurs you know are fucking like? cool, Johnny. Yeah, here's what it sounds like. It sounded it sounds like there was like a panel of them. They were sitting around the the conference room and they're like spitting out ideas and it, it, they had that family feud moment where someone just says a dumb answer and they're like, "Good answer. It's up there." It's up there, and it's totally T-Rex is not up there as far as what monsters are. Uh, um, yes. And, but but it still went up there. Why? Why, Tyler? Why a T-Rex? That's so dumb. Anyways, I'm sorry. Come on. It T-Rex, is, though? I know. I know, Johnny. But you know what? You're supposed to avoid it, so ideally you don't even see it when you're playing the game. But that's Okay, fair. Um, yeah, it, now it's just the, the thing that, that is. It doesn't have to be anything. I like it. Yeah. So these these 3D maze games from the 80s, they all look the same. You can you can imagine exactly what it looks like. I think the cool part of this game is there's no sound. I don't think the ZX81 has sound. I, like people maybe have like hacked cassettes to play sound somehow, but I, I don't think the computer has sound. Um, so it's just this completely silent maze game. And then at the bottom of the screen, there's one line of text as you're running around the maze. And it just says like footsteps approaching. Rex has seen you run. He is behind you. And for such a simple thing, I think it's it's really effective. Um, you know, everything but the Rex has seen you. Like, if they just said he has seen you, run, he is behind you. Way scarier. Uh, yeah, I think he, every time they reference Rex, I think even when you start up the game, it says something like Rex is hunting for you. And it's if it was just he is hunting for you, and if they just made him like a blob instead of a T-Rex, again, look, I do think it would be a cooler game, Johnny. Is it survival horror? Definitely de-emphasized combat. We talked about uh, whatever that psychic games. What was the psychic game we just talked about? Phantom Slayer, Johnny. <laughs> so Phantom Slayer, definitely not a survival horror game because you you track down phantoms and shoot them, even though they're trying to, to find you and kill you. This, you purely run away. So there is de-emphasized combat. I definitely say the, the text at the bottom of the screen is like footsteps approaching, run, he's behind you. Definitely horror. I don't know if this is a survival horror game, Johnny. It's more of a maze game. But there are three variants. There's one with oh. a like a plain typed cover. Looks like it was made in a garage. Uh, and that's got Ooh, just a white. I'm in. What? I said I'm in. Oh, yeah. I love I love these old computer games that look like they're made in a garage. Just comes on a plain white tape with a gold sticker on it that has the name of the game on it. There's uh, one with a monochrome cover that was printed on like a beige paper. And that one has a graphic of the T-Rex in a maze. All these versions are pretty rare. I think this is the most common variant. And then there is one that is uh, full cover, full color box art. And by box art, all these just came in a cassette case. And uh, I have no idea what it costs. I've been looking for a copy of this. Uh, considering how much expensive microcomputer games are, I'm going to guess it's between $50 and $200. Probably depends on the variant. Microcomputer games really don't get much more expensive than that. I want also when you're looking for these on eBay, make sure you've got your set, your save search uh, set to worldwide, or uh, be looking at eBay UK when you're looking for these because uh, you're not reliably going to find microcomputer games on uh, eBay US. Are you suggesting that Americans aren't selling their ZX eighty one games 
I'm suggesting that Americans don't have ZX Spectrum games. What? By the fact that we call them ZX instead of <laughs> ZX Spectrum, I think might what? be an indicator. What? Wait, what was the... Is it Timex Sinclair? Is that the... Uh, that's a... Uh... Did this come out in America, Johnny? Is what I'm asking. I don't know. I don't think so. The game definitely didn't, but did the computer? Oh, who knows? Timex Sinclair TS-1000. What is it? What is it? Is it ZX81? It is! We got this in America. Everybody remembers the Timex Sinclair 1000. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you, get out of here, you maniac. All right. Tell me... Tell me about some games we can actually find, like uh, not 3D Monster Chase. I mean, 3D Monster Maze. All right. Definitely. So in terms of what people popularly talk about in uh, in terms of the origins of survival horror, there's like a gap here. So 3D Monster Maze was 1982. And the next game that comes up frequently is Shiryu Sensen Ooh. War of the Dead, which is an MSX RPG. Um, another you know very strictly american system oh totally well the msx came out in the uk too uh i yeah. they did not get sure you sense in war of the dead uh they sure didn't this is a it's a horror action rpg it's it's got like uh, we've talked about this on the show too i i bought one like a, a few months ago i don't know if, I, I i don't know if we talked about this on the show i think you and i talked about this because i was also going to buy one you happened to buy one like when i was trying to decide if this one counted for because it doesn't look very halloweeny it, 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 what it, the box like, art's awesome are you kidding me it no it's got like dragons on it and are something i don't know what they are they look they're reptilian. like look crafty intent to oh, they're dragons they're not yeah <laughs> wait no yeah. you're looking at the pc engine one hold on look look up sure you no. sense in msx that has cooler box art i am looking at the MSX. oh this still got dragons. It, it, okay yeah, and and it looks <laughs> like this could be just basically like Jill Valentine sitting in the middle of it because she's got like an assault rifle and stuff. <laughs> so it's like eh, maybe, but like the the dragons look like a hand that's enclosing around her. Oh yeah, no, like it, it's like kind of cool. Like I I'm still deeply considering it. Like it's also called War of the Dead, which sounds awesome. It's got a great title. I just the cover doesn't live up to. Uh, what I what the time? Cool I the guess. I guess. Um. Anyway, it's a it's a top down sort of RPG. Uh, so it looks like Dragon Warrior when you're running around the overworld, and then the battles are a side view. And uh, every time there's cool. any kind of action side view thing, people are like, "It's Zelda two. Uh, it doesn't look like Zelda two exactly, but you know what? That's those are the only the only games we're allowed to reference are. Dragon Quest and Zelda 2. So this is it's basically Dragon Quest and Zelda 2 with a horror theme, guys. And you yeah, like run you know, around it's basically uh, Battle of Olympus. Um yeah, you just you so the what I don't know the plot. The world has ended, the dead walk and you have to run around this town rescuing people from their homes and bringing them back to church. There's a lot of shooting in this game. I guess there's also a lot of shooting in Resident Evil. It to me it looks like a game that has a lot of elements of survival horror similar to all the other games we've talked about, but I'm sure there's some gaming journalist evangelist who will fight to the death that this was the first real uh, survival horror game of all time. So maybe, I don't know. It's like 200 ish dollars. I think it's between like 150 and 250. I think it's a pretty expensive game. 
but there was a PC Engine port that came out, and that's it's like ten bucks. If you if you're a person who buys like junk dollar bin PC Engine games, you probably already have this game. That's how cheap it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the MXS version is cooler. It is cool. I'm just saying that. It was way cooler. I, I think um, the MSX version of anything is cooler than something that comes in a jewel case because MSX cases are huge. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, it's big enough to be cool like a big box PC and not uncool like small box PC games. Also, the side view of this game, like if, if I just, if you showed me the side view of this game, like... Sh- you see a girl with like green hair shooting like zombies. Like my first impression when I saw this, I'm like, is this what time gal should have looked like? <laughs> um, and the answer is yes. That's what like it totally got time girl about vi- time gal vibes, even though it's not, if you don't know time gal, go check it out. There's a version on the Sega CD, which you can go buy. Not a horror game. Really? Not survival horror. Are we telling people to Just- check out time gal is time gal really a game you have to check out? Yeah, Time Cow is awesome. Good box. Is sure you sense in the game where uh, everyone is named after all of like the movie? Uh... Yeah, it is. So all the all the characters we have talked about this game. So all the characters are named like Carpenter and uh, they're, they're they're named stuff like Romero. They're they're named after movie directors and horror movie characters. Cronenberg. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool they did that. While the box art doesn't live up, the actual in-game play does, and so do like the these uh, title screens and stuff. Pretty cool. So, I, I think I'm sold. I think I'm in. Yeah, it's got s- yeah. spooky horror monsters, Johnny. Yep. The next game that always comes up is uh, probably the first real survival horror game is Sweet Home. But in Whoa. another last-minute edit, I wanted to to go back because it's a game I'm playing right now to friday the 13th on nes uh just because i'm playing it and i was thinking about the episode we're recording right now uh friday the 13th on nes johnny a game where you play as six children you have to manage their resources which is basically their life uh, because very limited ways to heal in that game and you have to beat the game keeping everybody all six people alive or you have six campers to beat the game with uh de-emphasized combat uh, not really hmm no no there's no real de-emphasized combat i mean yeah all right hmm hmm i mean it yeah it kind of encourages you to run towards jason and fight him that's usually what you want to be doing in that game not running away from jason so uh, maybe it's not a survival horror game in that sense maybe i'm wrong to put this on the list I don't know. It's a fine thing to think about. Uh, like uh, these games are all just thought exercises, uh, anyways. So just look like it's a fine game, even if you don't put it in your survival horror bin. Put it in your, uh, put it in your uh, horror game bin because yeah, still I mean counts. definitely. It, oh, go to Wikipedia. It says genre survival horror is one of the genres listed. Um, yeah. But I think that, yeah, the de-emphasized combat is such a big part of Survival R, and this one definitely encourages you to go murder Jason. I mean, they, they say de-emphasized combat, but not really. Like, a lot of survival horror, like, even in Resident Evil, there's yeah, still plenty right. of combat, and you have, like, you have guns. You you have better tools to fight than you do in Friday the 13th. So, like, I think in Resident Evil, there's usually an option, well, there's usually an option somewhere to run through an encounter, run away from an encounter if you're not prepared for it. 
And Friday the 13th, there's no way to avoid Jason. Uh, literally no. the only way to avoid Jason, if you walk into a house and you see that he's in the house, you can leave the house. But if you yep. encounter him in the overworld or you counter him in a house, you have to just fight him. So. I think I told this story, but I, I played Friday the 13th up at Big Bear Lake. We had like, we were in like a little cabin there. So I was playing it like on a cabin on the lake, which was where I played Friday the 13th. And Goonies too. But um, yeah, that was a thing that happened. Johnny, Friday the 13th is like the ultimate compilation of Castlevania 2 and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. It really takes the elements of both these games and mashes them up into a masterpiece of creative Nintendo engineering. I, I don't think LJN has ever been associated with classic uh, or per, like, I, I don't know. Did you just have a stroke? I did. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, All right. Anyways, I think for, it's, it's a cool game. I mean, it. I think I, it does take like elements it. of Castlevania 2 and Punch-Out. Not sure. And also a, a good heaping of this game is not the best. Yeah. I, look, I like Friday the 13th for what it is. And it's an interesting thing that happens. It's also interesting that it's on the Nintendo, which is kind of cool. Um, but it's not. it's not the best. Let's talk about something that people are really want to point out as like, this is it. This is the one, the first real survival horror game, you nubs. This is, <laughs> this is the one that spawned them all, fucking dummies. Uh, yeah, let, let's talk about it. You want to? Whoa, Sweet yeah. Home? No one's heard of this one. No and it's always the game that gets brought gem. up because Resident Evil is the game that's obviously associated with survival horror. And people are just like, what's the game that came before this? And it's Sweet Home. Uh, which we've definitely brought up on the show multiple times, Johnny. Uh, oh, yeah. We've talked about it a lot. We, we're we as bad as the rest of uh, video game journalism. So, uh, I I agree. We're bad, bad in bringing up a, a very popular survival horror game. Um, but I think this is a really strong candidate for the first survival horror game. Ugh, de-emphasized combat. I don't know about that again. But it is a very unique game. It's... Yeah, I mean, look, it is, and also, for one hundred percent, it did influence Resident Evil, right? Oh my god! So, it did, yeah, uh, yeah, and as much shit talking as I just did, like it's super important, and it really is probably the true one of the truest forerunners of uh, the genre. I mean, it you you can't because the genre definition is so loosey goosey. I don't think there is a game you can point to as being the first. But if you're collecting the history of survival horror, you have to have a copy of Sweet Home because it is very important in the history of survival horror. Uh, agreed, and it's like maybe I just posted a copy of one on my Instagram, there. and then uh, yeah, we're like, we're only talking I, about I this because bad... we both have it. Um, we're trying to hype it to the moon. Everyone yeah, go pay we'll hype it to the moon. I. Home. Yeah, well, I've got the time walk version if anyone's interested. <laughs> uh, but I was like, you know what? Why do I own that when I should just own the original one? Uh, but I've had that for a while. Um, it's not that hard to obtain. We'll talk about the collectability of it later. Tyler, go on. Tell us, tell us what the hell this is and how it happened. Give people the basic facts because one, it's talked about a lot, but we don't want to assume that everyone listening has heard of this, yep. even though yep. we've mentioned it in other shows. It is a top-down horror RPG that takes place entirely in one big mansion. You control five characters, but you have to split them up 
Um, I don't. I think you can split them up into a maximum of three. Either way, you want to keep things together because uh, you want as many people to get experience as possible. So I think you usually split up into a group of two and a group of three. Um, and so you run around the house. There's random encounters. When a random encounter happens, the the game does like a creepy lead up to it. It's like, duh, duh, duh. and then the, the creepy eight bit monster, like jumps onto the screen and makes a screaming noise. Uh, so the horror element, 100% there. Also the anime, the monster designs in this game, they're like gory dripping zombies and stuff. One of the, the goriest Nintendo games, I think definitely the darkest Nintendo game in terms of theme. I don't, re- I, haven't played it recently now but i remember when i played it like just thinking like i can't believe this game came out on a nintendo system because like there's dead babies that have been incinerated and just like super dark like suicide just like super dark stuff for a nintendo game yeah, uh it's the chiller of the famicom definitely the that that's licensed, <laughs> the licensed yeah i chiller. just i just wanted to bring up chiller like because we don't talk about it enough of course yeah, i'm sorry go on um and then, so you have to run around, like, you get clues, you solve puzzles around the house, um, and you have, like, li- there's a lot of inventory Tetris, another very, sur- very <laughs> janky thing you yes, wish you didn't God. have to do in survival horror, but... That's, like, the that's the true indicator of survival <laughs> horror. You're gonna find a bunch of stuff, but you can never carry enough stuff, and you don't know which thing you shouldn't carry. That That's the true marker of survival horror. A fucking piss poor inventory management system. So if I remember, I think each character can carry two items or something. And if you want to pick something up and no one can carry it, you have to leave something from one of your item from one of your characters, like on the floor. And then you have to remember where in the house you left it. If you ever want to go back and retrieve it, it's so dumb. It's so obtuse, but that's also like a big element of survival horror is just being 100% dumb and hard to play. Yep, it's just like, what? They're like, oh, we we limited your inventory to keep it realistic. You're like, I'm fighting a fucking zombie. I don't, I wasn't looking for realism today, yeah. but all right. Um, so yeah, um, if you think of the elements of this game, going into a house and fighting zombies and solving puzzles, uh, very much like Resident Evil. Obviously, it was the game that directly inspired Resident Evil. So, uh, well, also the people who worked on uh, some of the people who uh, were responsible for Sweet Home are tied to Resident Evil, and it's Capcom. So, you know, there are there are bigger ties. Uh, well, it's the same guy who made the game, right? Wasn't it? Is yeah, it not yeah. not Shinji Mikami. Who is it? Is it Shinji Mikami? Uh, Am I thinking of the right person? No, I, I've got it. It's in the notes um, under Takoru Fujiwara. Yes, we did it. We did it. Woo! Got some facts. All right. Uh, Let's talk about this game and which version they should buy. Uh, Buy the real version. Yeah, what is it on? I didn't look look up the price on this one. I Uh, got prices. I got prices. Whoa! I got you covered. Yeah. Uh, This game is about, just loosely, uh, not loose, it's about $100 for a CIB. Could be 120, could be 90, depend. That's like condition. You could spend up to 150. If you want an unopened one, you could spend like 500 and get a sealed one, but don't buy sealed Famicom games because they're not really sealed. So that doesn't really matter. Um, it's like new, new is meaningless uh, when it comes to Famicom games. I agree. Don't do that. Just, uh, this is yeah. a game that there are a bunch of new old stock copies out there. Like there are some Famicom yeah. games you see come up a lot. Of, there are these sellers, unlike Japan, who 
they just list like 400 new old stock Famicom games. And this is definitely a game that comes up a lot. New old stock. If you care, I think it's like $400 or something. Yeah, this this game, yeah, I've seen, even seen some like listed as new for 180, but who knows if that's real. So just buy like a regular copy. Just spend 100 bucks and get like a pretty decent copy of this game if you want it in your collection and you'll be good. If you want like the cart only, you're going to pay like 55. So this is just like really what are you doing? Just go buy the complete version. Make sure it has its manual and the and the tray and everything. So there's a, like this one's really easy cuz there's only really one version to go get. You don't have to wade through a bunch of Variants are all this bullshit, and there might be variants, but like most of them are just all the same price. So go get it. It's uh you know a perfectly great game to add to your collection. And now we can move. I would on say we're the, the game that most listeners are likely to not have, but also is the most important survival horror game that people want because everyone probably owns a copy of like Resident Evil and Silent Hill. So go get Sweet Home. Yeah, definitely. Like, lots of people are like, oh, yeah, I got Devil World. And you're like, that's cool, but, like, really, go buy Sweet Home. Um, not saying you shouldn't buy Devil World, because you should, but, like, on the list of Famicom games I see people buy, uh, not enough people are buying Sweet Home. What? Out of the Famicom? This is, like, this got to be, like, a top three Famicom game that people actually buy. What are you talking I, about? No. They go I'm get Splatterhouse, like, they get Sweet Home... And they get they crisis sometimes. I, I think the people we're looking at, but like when have you seen like lots of like Famicom games when people put them? It's this is like they put like a they are always buying like look I bought the Zelda I bought a Zelda you're like that's cool like but you could have got the U like th- this is a game that didn't come here so go buy it's like I get exclusive. so when people are buying Famicom there's there's so many Famicom games that are like pretty cool that you can get in like the thirty dollar range and this one's a little bit more yeah. expensive than those so. People usually have a lot to get before they want to spend like a hundred dollars in the Famicom game. Yeah. Oh, you got you want a you want a hot tip? What's There's that? a strategy guide for this game. You could buy it if you want. There is. I, I've considered it, and I'm like, no, I need to limit what I buy. I buy too many things, Johnny. Yeah, I I also <laughs> told myself the same thing. Do not buy the strategy guide for this game, Johnny. Hot tip. You do Don't not buy need the strategy it. Guide. Yeah. Yeah, you could though if you're a crazy paper person. There's a guide for this. You know what? I bet you could buy Johnny. I bet you could buy a Japanese Sweet Home VHS. I bet that exists. You could there because this is kind of based on off a movie, which we talked about. And, well, last time we had to talk about this game, but uh, yeah. So go buy the Sweet Home VHS uh, so you can complete your VHS collection. Right, that's how you do it. You complete VHS collections. I'm gonna do it. You know what? If you collect horror VHS, go get Sweet Home. Pretty cool. I've never seen it. So. If you have, if you have a Sweet Home VHS, show it to me. Put it on Instagram and please tag me. I would like to see it. All right. Um, let Let's talk about. I, I think arguably Sweet Home uh, of the pre Resident Evil. I think Sweet Home and this one coming up are the most important. Um, do you disagree? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't ranked these in my head as much johnny alone in the dark tell me about it okay well alone in the dark uh everyone not everyone a lot of people think about alone in the dark and they think of like uh, the new nightmare or one-eyed jack's revenge but those are uh the new nightmare is kind of like coming back uh kind of like a redo but it's not exactly of the first one the first one just alone in the dark is mainly a PC game. And I say mainly a PC game because it was also released on the 3DO 
as far as consoles go, but that was the only console release. And in the Wikipedia, they barely mention it. They give like a one-liner off it. They don't talk about any unique features. They're just like, yeah, 3DO, I guess. Um, they really gloss over it. Uh, because really what you want, and if you're buying one, don't go out and buy the 3DO version. Please go buy the PC big box version because there are multiple versions of this game. Uh, it's a super important game. It's that was developed by in four games. Uh, it was released in 1992. It was one of the first two games that used, uh, polygonal characters over pre-rendered backgrounds. Woo. Whoa. Do you want to know that it got a Guinness book of world's record awarded to it for the first ever 3d survival horror game, Wow! which is weird because how do you get a Guinness book of world records for survival horror? And if the term survival horror doesn't come out till resident evil. I feel like giving someone a record for being the first is dumb because that's a record that can't be broken. So what's the point of it? Right. Uh, well, also, so the record could be broken if someone like researched something really obscure and argued for it, but that's really dumb. Yeah. But this, uh, so if you're wondering how this game became the first survival horror game and there wasn't survival horror until resident evil, and this is 1992. It's because this came out in Guinness World Records Gamers Edition 2008, guys. Woo! Go get that version. Anyways, uh, the 3DO port came out in 1994, in case you care. Um, there was also a version for the Mac, um, and there's also an iOS version. But get the big box PC version, and there's a couple of versions of it to get. So get the, um, we're going to call it first print, but there may be a couple different uh, iterations of this and it came in a big box or it comes in a black box with a slip cover which is a detective looking up the stairs at a haunted mansion because that's what type of game this is this is a haunted go into a haunted mansion and investigate game um so in this there is um some copyright protection in the form of a, a little book that says alone in the dark it's this tiny little blue book that you make sure that your version has that and then it's got like uh, a fake newspaper like i think it's called the mystery times or something pretty cool uh, and then it's got like four four uh of the three and a quarter inch floppies in there that make this up then there's later editions where they packaged it uh as a cd the cd version the enhanced cd version and it's got a big ugly sticker on the art and then even more of that they there's a game called jack in the dark which is kind of a little add-on game which uh go into a I think a toy shop on Halloween, but you have to save Santa Claus. It's weird. There, like, there's a little Jack in the Box on this giant gold sticker on the on the big box version of Alone in the Dark. Um, it says Jack in the Dark, and you can see the Jack in the Box. So it totally ruins the art. But if you want that, which becomes a Christmas game, uh, you have to buy that version. So you'll probably have if you want. I think that, Jack in the is Dark is that like Jack in the Dark's like a demo for Alone in the Dark too. Yeah, kind of, but it became its own thing. It's weird. It's a it's a Christmas. It's uh it's literally just like a little Christmas. We're not adventure. allowed to, we're not talking about Christmas games, Johnny. I know, but that's mm. I don't want I'm trying not to say, but they're it's because they pack it in with Alone in the Dark, the C D version, and take away all the cool little feelies. So you just get this envelope with Jack in the Dark, and then you get the C D case which has Alone in the Dark. Uh, but it's still in the big box version. They just ruined the art of it. Um, I think they say there's like a little alone in the dark or Jack in the dark, like uh, gold, gold, like uh, 
like CD holder that comes in, like the a paper one. But I've never seen that. Um, so you can at me and tell me if that if that's real or not. As far as I know, the only version I've seen it in is the big box for the regular Alone in the Dark, which you should buy. Um, and don't just buy like the weird, the weird like back aisle Target version of Alone in the Dark, which comes in like a weird case. Get the real one. Um, there's a couple other different versions, but that's the important one. And the 3DO version. If you are a weirdo, um, you guys know who you are buying 3DO games. Uh, yeah, do you want me PC to tell you version. prices? Or you... It's an important game, Johnny. Just get the real first it version. Is. Yeah, because this game, like, the way this game handles and being in a mansion, like, they're... It's not exactly Resident Evil, but the controls and the inventory system, the way this game is set up, I mean, it's not exactly Resident Evil, but it sure looks a lot like Resident Evil. You're not like, doing the same uses things. That's not what I'm saying. Pre-rendered fixed camera angles to introduce horror along with the shitty tank controls, which is a very, very Resident Evil thing to do. Um, right. And this game, and of course, was also released in Japan. Definitely influenced Resident Evil. Um you can go get that yeah. PC 98 version if you're yeah. a weirdo. Um, there, I, I, when I was looking this up, I saw people arguing online that like, this isn't, this didn't influence Resident Evil. Resident Evil is just a 3d version of sweet home. Like come the fuck on. This no, is no, dude. it's come not on. exactly Resident Evil. There, there's some cool elements of alone in the dark. Um, so Resident Evil, you have to solve puzzles to progress, but there are puzzles in alone in the dark that, exist in the world but are just so you could basically save health and ammo so it, there will be like a room that you can uh that you can walk through and get murdered by zombies in but if you uh i don't shoot an arrow at a certain painting or something you can you can kill them beforehand i don't remember the puzzles of alone in the dark but basically the puzzles aren't just to progress they're also puzzles to save your health and ammo very survival horror thing to have to save health and ammo yeah, I, I, anyone who's trying to argue against this is wrong. I like, like I said, I think this and Sweet Home are the two most important things for arriving at what eventually becomes Resident Evil and survival horror. If people say that they think that Resident Evil took nothing from this game, those people are crazy. Um, seek help, seek help now, uh, because <laughs> you're a danger to others and yourself, anyways. Um, Big box version, you can get it like it floats from anywhere from like fifty to a hundred bucks. You can pay a little more for a nicer version of the big box. Uh, if you get the Jack in the Dark version, which I'm not recommending, you can get that for like sixty. Uh, that one trends a little lower because it doesn't have the cool newspaper in it or the little blue book. So yeah, uh, definitely get the big box PC. If you're a maniac and you want the 3DO version, that can be had for a hundred, fifty, twenty-five dollars. It's a 3DO game, so it. You know, I'm going to tell you, have a hundred dollar bill ready for it. Maybe spend a little more, but you could probably, if you wait a little while, you could spend less. And I have uh, to go do shut we, my do we harp on uh, how small this book is? It's like one and a half inches by two inches. It's like maybe oh, the no, smallest book in any video game ever. Yeah. And like leather bound. It's a really nice, tiny, small book. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's go to where it all started. Right. Right. <laughs> where Resident it Evil? all started. Yeah, where it all started, where survival horror definitely came from. Uh, in in essence, as we said, survival horror first branded on the Biohazard 
uh, jewel case or on the on the manual or whatever the art in front of the jewel case. If you see Biohazard, it says Biohazard. It's got an eye. It's got some drippy blood, and uh, underneath in English it says Survival Horror. And this is uh, 1996. Uh, um, fun fact: This game came out in March of 1996 in both Japan and the U.S., but a week earlier in Japan. So Japan still has the, the first first release and why is it called biohazard in japan and resident evil in america do you know tyler i mean there was some kind of copyright thing with biohazard right it was like a movie or something yeah so kind of um there was a dos game called biohazard (laughs) and that had and also a new york hardcore punk band so internally, they held a contest amongst the company personnel to choose a new name. Uh, this competition turned up Resident Evil. So, so hold, did the Japanese staff or did American staff choose Resident Evil? Because it sounds like a very Japanese name. Yeah, no, there's Japanese staff, I think. Okay. I just want, like, Resident Evil, million times better than Biohazard. If it was called Resident Evil in Japan and Biohazard in America, I would be just, like, resentful constantly that they got the cool name. I think we actually yeah, we, made out here. W- yeah, we got the because Biohazard is more suggestive of something else. Um, that's not like less zombie suggestive, even if the zombies came from a biohazard. Biohazard is very generic, even though I guess House of Evil, uh, you know, is also very generic, but it's more evocative of horror, you know. Um, yeah, it's a much more evocative. It's also Biohazard is just like medical waste. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And also, <laughs> in like one word, it's an explanation for how the zombies, I know they're not zombies, how the zombies came to be in Resident Evil. And explaining right. stuff in horror is never good. So, yeah. Resident Evil, way cooler. Way better. Like hundreds, hundreds times better. Biohazard, such a worse name. And you can fight me at Tyler and I. We will fight you on this one. This, like, Biohazard is not a better name. Get out of here. Biohazard is a, a sticker you see on medical waste containers uh, as you walk through a hospital, not not on awesome games uh, that you want to play. That's that's my hot take. So what, what else shall we say about Resident Evil? Should we talk about what do we need to explain what Resident Evil the game is? You, I guess like, it's bad tank controls, which, you know, everything we've been talking about, all that stuff, uh, you know, limited inventory, tank controls. Combat that you can uh, shoot your way out of, but also always have an option to run. Uh, it's got jump scares in it, which didn't come really in... These other games couldn't really create jump scares. So Resident Evil did create jump scares. Or I think maybe Alone in the Dark tried to do a couple, but Resident Evil is the first one I personally have any... Uh, you know, link to um, the dogs when you're trying to get like past... Yeah. There's a long hallway... I always think of it as the garden, but it's not. I think it's on the way to the garden or uh, the what? Oh man, I just lost the name. A greenhouse on the way to the greenhouse. There's a long hall where dogs jump through the window and scare the shit out of you. Um, that's a thing that happened to me. I mean, there uh, are definitely play- jump scares in the 2D games and, and older games like that. I think the not, Resident not Evil the dog same way. is that's the first really big jump scare in Resident Evil, right? Like that is. Yeah, I probably the most effective jump scare of any game up to this point. So, yeah. So anyways, uh, yeah, Resident Evil has that. What else do you want to add before we talk about like the weird variants and like what you should be? I don't know. I think everybody knows what Resident Evil is. Um, 
It's the first bad Resident Evil game. I've tried playing this yeah. game like four times. I've never beat it. I get bored every time. Resident Evil 2, really? I think, is amazing. Resident Evil, I just, I can't do it. I don't know why. You know, weirdly, the um, people like the GameCube port of Resident Evil a lot. Um, the Origins port is pretty good, but I, when, when I was playing the version, weirdly, that I liked best, even though I, I really like uh, Resident Evil on the PlayStation 1, um, was the DS version. Do you ever play the DS version? Also has like kind of a different name, but I yeah, bet, I, that's one uh, of the games that has like DS in the as the initials because they oh. were doing that as a stupid trend. What's it called? Like Dual Survivor or something? Something like that. Uh, I don't remember. All right, but but yeah, is that a port the of the DS first game? Ver- the DS game? Yeah. Oh, weird. That is weird. Wow, yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah, and it was good, and like having the touch control was actually not horrible. Like, it, yeah. Weird. I Anyways, bet there's yeah, people who would fight you on that, but you know you've actually played it, I, so like, what? Yeah, you can argue I, with your I, thing. Well, I'm saying I enjoy it, and I like the first Resident Evil. Um, I wouldn't advertise the PlayStation as the best place to play that. Like, just pick up a, a modern copy, um, play like, or or have the first copy and play it like on a PS4. Don't try and play this on a PS1. Uh, that's not ideal. It is uh, so there. Resident Evil Deadly Silence. Yes, thank you. Oof. So, um, yeah, let's talk about, uh, some of the awesome variants because there are a ton of variants for stupid resident evil on the PS one. You want to, you want to get into them? Uh, sure. I could talk about all the biohazard variants, Johnny. I oh, bought them. You talk recently. about the bio. Did you really? You bought the, the worst well, titles like last year. Um, okay. There's biohazard the first resident evil game johnny biohazard director's cut and biohazard director's cut dual shock ver ver dot it is not version it doesn't stand for version if you're making a list of ps1 games you have to put in biohazard director's cut dual shock ver um are you sure about that yes i'm sure it stands for version but what, what are you going to do? Uh, Johnny, I'm sure you know what's in the director's cut, because I don't remember. And DualShock version obviously adds support for uh, Sony's bad controller that would plague us for decades. Uh, I'd say the Forever interesting thing never. about Biohazard is you can get literally all of these games, and probably they'll be bundled with Biohazard 2 and Biohazard 3, and it'll be like fucking $20. These games are worthless. So you can just uh, just go get all of them, because that's what I did. I'm pretty yeah, sure I spent twenty dollars on the three Biohazards and Biohazard Two. Good. Yeah, good unless de- you want to buy the, um, you know, the PlayStation uh, US versions, which you could buy a long box version of the game, which uh, I'm going to say is the coolest version of Resident Evil, and the one I would advocate buying. Um, you agree with that? Uh, yeah. I'm in. Okay. I'm looking for one right now. Uh, yeah, it's like. You could spend $70 on it. You could spend $270 on it. You could spend $222,000 on it in at Heritage Auctions for a sealed one, which it seems like a crazy p- price until you find out or until Tyler tells you that a Mike Tyson's Punch-Out non-first print sold for over 300000 and then you start to question everything in life and wonder why nothing makes sense. Anyways, uh, yeah, Resident Evil, go buy the long box, the, the, but try and buy a nice one. The long box is, this is the style of long box, which is particularly bad. It's got like the plastic casing on it. So it's got like, the art is 
like cardstock that is like glued down on this like plasticky case and on that's on the top and on the side and back and it peels up and they're all going to do that. There is like literally the glue. It, it can't stop itself from degrading. Um, so all of them will do this. I, I wouldn't fault you for putting some rubber cement on there to hold it down. Just be careful while you're doing this because anything could be considered a restoration nowadays. Um, I would glue stick that stuff down so hard. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous because they're all going to fall off. It, I'm not saying like, oh, buy a nice one. They're all going to fall off. So make sure the the problem these ones have is they get gouges all over them. Like just, it's not, the cardstock just takes so much damage. There's not like, there's not that traditional like hard plastic case over it. So the art is like getting ruined. Also, the manual has a reg card attached inside of it so sometimes people peel out the reg card so make sure that your manual has a reg card and then try to find one don't worry about it coming up so much as the actual condition of that paper and make sure it's got the right disc because because there's so many variants some different discs come around uh for this uh there's also a thin jewel case version of resident evil just uh you know just your typical playstation jewel case and it's the same long box art just shrunk um, and there are people uh, who incorrectly say this is the cooler version to have because it's definitely way rarer. Yeah. Um, PlayStation collecting is weird in the fact that all the long boxes, like they got like a, a shorter print, not all the long, some of the long box games got these uh, jewel case prints and people like are really into those, but they, it, that's not the best version. The long box is the best version. And then there is the director's cut, which is a double case. Um, so watch out for that. Um, and then the director's cut collector's edition, or I'm um, sorry, uh, greatest hits edition has different art and it's also a single case. So the director's cut regular is, uh, with dual shock, it, it is double, uh, director's cut greatest hit is a single case. So yeah. And it's got different art. It's got the art for the strategy guide on it which i think is interesting so there's an advert on the long box version of the game on the back of the manual telling you where you can go buy a strategy guide for the game that art is then used for the player's choice director's cut there's not a player's choice of the non-director's cut so uh, there's a lot of things going on with this game you could also play resident evil in uh resident evil archives on the wii like we said uh, Resident Evil HD on page three. It's a DLC in Japan. You can get it on the Sega Saturn with the same art as uh, the director's cut, but it's not the director's cut. There's uh, a lot how much going is that on. on the Saturn. That's always been an expensive Saturn game. Saturn game. I don't have the let's yeah. Well, let's do a quick price check on price uh, check. We're going to the game value now. Your source for WADA grades. It's like two hundred twenty-five dollars. Okay, so now I'm just going to run down like what some of these versions cost. I know like I tossed a lot of information out here and that's not great, but the long box version, like I said, any uh, 70 to 250 to 300, uh, the jewel <laughs> case version. Yeah, you can pay 300. There are people like we'll put a really nice one out for 300 and it sells. Um, the jewel case version, 75 to $100. The director's cut. 75 to 50 dollars the director's cut player's choice or just say uh, no. greatest hits 
Greatest Hits. Yeah, don't buy that. But if you want the unique art, it does have unique art. So that's like a reason to buy it. But you can get that for like between $35 and $50. You know, even sometimes even a little less. So um, yeah, that's my order of coolness too. Like long box, jewel case, and then you can worry about director's cuts because those are all fake. <laughs> those are all fake. Bullshit. Uh, Johnny, you did They're miss versions. Uh, one thing here. One you missed okay. the most expensive version of Resident Evil. In fact, oh yeah, which one? The big box PC version. Oh, um, um is that a thing that exists? Was it, it ported is a to thing the PC? That exists. It's not tremendously rare, but it is very expensive. Uh, I don't have a good price because there hasn't been one that's actually sold complete. I would say five hundred dollars. Uh, around $500 for a complete box, big box, Resident Evil for the PC. All the Resident Evil games got PC releases. At least 1, 2, and 3 did. Um, uh, I'm usually did, a PC elitist. These did. are definitely ports of a PlayStation game, though. Like, if I think spending $1,000 on Bioshock, the shitty, stupid console port for the Xbox 360 is dumb uh, when you could just get the PC version, the real version of Bioshock. But for something like Resident Evil, I definitely think the PlayStation version is the real version. Is it... Uh, and by the way, I'm seeing all the way up to seven having PC copies. Um, is there? Is this a big box PC game? Like, or medium size? Like, what kind of box would it Yeah, one, two, and three have big boxes. Okay. And yeah, and... Uh, so, yeah, Resident Evil 4, yeah, 4 got a PC port that was, like, way after GameCube, uh... Five definitely got like a games for Windows PC version. Yeah, Resident Evil yeah, is all six, over eight, PC. Seven. Yeah. Yeah, every, I'm looking at Resident Evil games at, on PC. <laughs> Not you want to see the most you know confusing it. title? Resident what? Evil Biohazard, which is Resident Evil Seven. That's unacceptable. Yeah, like why? I mean, and they. I can't believe they fucking did this. Like, <laughs> you really wanted to make this harder on everybody? fuck you guys let's just stop that shit they're like wink wink nudge nudge we know what we're doing we're naming this game something really stupid and and to me it's because like japan thinks that biohazard is the better name there you're not correct stop that they're 100 percent wrong so like what were they this is yeah anyways and they made like gold editions of all the later games resident evil is a super like annoying series to collect for because of all the re-releases and versions they do of the stupid game it is crazy how often this game gets re-released you know what? it's crazy how often resident evil 1 gets re-released considering it's a fucking bad game and i'm sorry to resident evil fans but every other resident evil game is better than resident evil 1 not everyone I know there are a lot of resident evil one. games so just careful like did I remember there were reviews of, uh, what was it, the GameCube version? So, like, they literally just released Resident Evil on fucking GameCube. And there there was some magazine that came out, and it's like, 0 out of 10, you've already played Resident Evil, idiots. Why would you buy, buy it on GameCube? And now people are like, oh, man, that game's five years old. I can't wait for them to re-release it. You know, I, you know I've come around on that argument, right? I know. Like, uh, on re-release, like... You wish there were no new available. games and everything was just re-released constantly and there was no innovation. I know. No, uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I like uh, media to be accessible because when you get like these systems, like it's still super hard to play Saturn games on modern TVs. Like you have to, the, it, there is a limitation to people being able to play cool old games. And I wish like, even if it was just digitally, which is coming around more that people had more opportunity to play these. Like there might be cool 3DO games, but I will never know because the idea of buying a 3DO makes me want to vomit. And then like going through all the stuff to get like a 3DO working. Ugh. Also, 
versions of games are so different on systems. Like we all call these, oh, the same titles, but there were so many changes that happened from system to system. You know, I would like to see what some of those changes are. And Gen- the way Guinness counts world records, are like, oh yeah, I've got Alone in the Dark. They're like, okay, I've got Alone in the Dark. Uh, you know, New Nightmare on the on the Saturn and on the PlayStation Two and on the Game Boy Color. They're like, oh yeah, those are all the same games. I'm like, no, they are not. Those the the like I'm telling you, you can't count a Game Boy game with the same name as a PlayStation 2 game. They're not the same. It doesn't work like that. And even like the Windows games. Like if you look at the first Harry Potter game, it's different on every version you can play it on, every system, it's a different game, including the computer. So and that's insane. Uh but Guinness wouldn't count it that way. Games are unique and inter- interesting. Let's uh make them available to play. That's all I'm saying. I'm an advocate for being able to play games. You know what, Johnny? Get a fucking computer because you could play any game. You could play any Resident Evil game. I bet they're all on Steam, and you don't need to wait for it to be remade for your next uh, console. Look, look, look! I'm I, Steam is great, but you know, I would just like it available to more people. Some people won't play on the computer. Yeah, like, just you're like, you're like the guy in like a workers' union who's like, well, at least they're giving us a three percent raise. We should just accept that instead of holding out for the ten percent raise that we actually need. No, I would say take, like, why would you not, like, if it's between no raise and 3%, yeah, take the 3%. See, but if okay. you think you can the, so force are, the hand. Yep, we're still on the wrong, different sides of that argument. Yeah, but if you can, no, because if you can force the 10% raise, like, eh, eh, waiting, waiting a year, like, if like, oh, I'm not going to take this 3%, but if I can wait three years, then they'll give me 10%, that argument doesn't make any sense. But if because you take the three percent, they'll be like, "Well, we already gave you a raise." But that's not that's not how you that's one. If you've got a union, that's not how they'll work. Um, now, like, do you want to get into in the survival horror game how we should or shouldn't advocate for unions and when they're good and when they're bad? Because I don't want to do that. That's yes. a very complicated conversation, yes, Johnny. Because. On Nintendo Switch, you get all these re-releases. You got three Crisis games on the Switch now, but there's no Crisis Four on the Switch. You got you got two D Blob games. I don't know who's playing remastered D Blob games, but they're like, we don't need to make D Blob three. Let's just release the first two D Blob games. Let's release the first two Bayonetta games. Captain Toad. How much could a Captain Toad cost to make? They didn't make a new Captain Toad game. They just gave you Captain Toad one again. It's People are accepting their 3% raise. They should be waiting. They want the demanding 10% raises, brand new video games. I mean, your argument is kind of loose there, especially when you're talking about Wii U games coming to the Switch because no one played the Wii U, as you know, or bought the Wii U. It does. The people will use that. It's new to me argument for everything. You could go back to 1997 and remaster some game no one played, but it's not a new game. Then we <laughs> so don't need to saying, innovate at all anymore. So you, so okay. So your argument. Let's let's put this into movie terms. Your argument is we should not make we should not make Star Wars on Blu-ray or you know 4K or 8K because they should just make another Star Wars. No, the the argument would be like then what if instead of having the sequel trilogy they just remastered no, because, the 70s look, movies like again. because those new kids who were just born yeah it's new to me does that make them go watch it on a VHS if they want to see it What are you talking about? I'm talking about how it's preventing the progress of new movies in this case. They made new Star Wars movies but it's not like re- they remastered the original trilogy instead of making new Star Wars movies. 
Yeah, I'm not saying, look, I, I don't think them re-releasing Captain Toad is making them not make Captain Toad. Or especially- It 100% is. No way. Look, especially because D-Blob, like, no one is asking for the next D-Blob game. That's just the maker of D-Blob being like, I hope people have some nostalgia for this because we, we won't make, we don't have the money to make a new version of this game. Re-releasing a game doesn't cost anywhere near the amount- of money that it costs to to make to spin up a new property, but what re-releasing a game does is if it is heavily bought and then shows interest, then allows people and companies to say, "Oh, this did really well. Now we can invest in a new copy because look how much interest That's there is." That's fucking bulls. They never invest. There's no investment. Look, they there's do. a new Super Monkey Ball game. There hasn't been a real good Super Monkey Ball game since Super Monkey Ball Two, so they just re-released the first two Super Monkey Ball games again. That's, I want look, Super Monkey Ball 3! It's been decades! Uh, see, th- I knew we were getting here eventually. I knew you would bring up Super Monkey Ball. Ah, because you're on this Super weird... Monkey Ball 3! But I, 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 I have no faith in Sega, so why do I even want a Super Monkey Ball 3? Right. <sighs> why do you want a new Super Monkey Ball? Terrible game. Also, monkeys. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you don't know how much I dislike monkeys. Alright. Uh, anyways. Um, there... After Resident Evil, there are no survival horror games, right? <laughs> it ends there. It ends there, right? There's no. So, all right. Once Resident, e- so before Resident Evil is kind of like the age of us trying to apply the tenets of Resident Evil to older games. After Resident Evil, everyone's like, "Hey guys, we got to go make our own Resident Evil," and every game is just Resident Evil from for like the next ten years. Uh, so I, we, we don't have to go into all of them, Johnny, but I think some important ones to bring up are Silent Hill, uh, obviously a game very inspired by Resident Evil, a very survival horror game where the object of the game is mostly going around and checking for locked doors and having dogs attack you and being like, fuck, and then having to run away. Um, did Silent Hill come out before or after Resident Evil 2? Cause it's definitely a lot more like Resident Evil 2 the hmm. better version of Resident Evil. I don't know. But the thing to know I'm, on I'm Silent Hill... Give you a, what? Silent Hill came out in January 1999. Sure, I'm going to say Resident Evil 2 came out in 1998, Johnny. That's just a guess. The thing to know about Silent Hill, there are two Black Label variants, and Wada doesn't, still doesn't note these on the case as far as I know. There's a shiny... Hard to tell. It is very hard to tell from pictures. There's a shiny cover and there's a matte cover. And the shiny cover has worse contrast. So if you look at it, the it just looks worse from a picture. But that's not a good way to tell. How you can tell the difference is the placement of like the PlayStation logo is slightly different uh, on the shiny one. And also there's a glowing window on the cover. And... On one of the, I forgot which cover, on one of the covers, it's like slightly less glowing. But you basically have to A, B them, looking at them uh, really closely to determine which one it is. Because most sellers are not going to, most people don't know about this variant, at least people selling the game. So they're not going to tell you which variant it is. No, I guess I don't even know which version I have. I'm going to have to send you a picture. You tell me which version I have because I can never tell. Yeah, I posted mine on Instagram and then someone immediately said like, oh, you don't have the shiny version. And then like I bought it the next day. I'm like, yeah, oh my I God, remember when you posted that. Of and I'm Hill? like, 
Yeah. And I'm like, wait, which version do I have? And then I'm like, I don't know. And this is hard to tell. Tower, fi- find me the version I don't have. Uh, and yeah, just to check in with you, Resident Evil 1998. You nailed it. There you oh, go. Resident Evil 2. Um, so I, I think important things to bring up about Silent Hill. This game is $150 now, which obviously this game sold really well. And it's but it's also one of the most popular uh, PlayStation games. I think it's still playable. I think because survival horror is so janky to begin with. I I love the first uh, Silent Hill game. It's my my favorite Silent Hill game. I know people like two more, but I think it holds up super well. And the other important thing is, along with Castlevania Symphony of the Night, I think this is the most egregious, terrible, greatest hits game to own. Because the cover is just black. Oh, it, it is. Yeah, it is it, it, the that worst green greatest is hits. really, really bad. Uh, so if you're one of the sealed game people and you're like, oh, I can't afford the black label, I think this is the worst great. And you're just going to like settle for greatest hits. Don't do it. Oh, yeah, I agree that it it's really gross. Don't don't get that. Also, Silent Hill is a game that like went up in price a bunch and then dropped in price and then went up again. Uh, Silent Hill is a weird one. Um, all right. Uh, what about Fatal Frame? How do you feel about Fatal Frame? I think, yeah, I mean, Fatal Frame is another one of these games that comes up in this era. Obviously, it spawned a really long running franchise. I think they're bringing the Wii U game to switch. Uh, what a surprise. Yep. Like right now, I think it, right now, the digitally, the Maiden of Blackwater yeah. is released now. Um, I this maybe it's notable because you don't have a weapon. As far as I remember, all you have is the camera to capture ghosts. And because the mechanic of the game is observing, I think it makes it inherently scarier. Um, this is a PlayStation 2 game, of course, that we're talking about. The. The thing that's interesting about it collectively is that around 2010, like the prices on this game were increasing, like people way into PlayStation horror games was a surprise. And then in 2010, uh, one of these companies like GameQuest Direct reprinted it to fucking oblivion. So you can easily find like sealed reprint copies of uh, all the Fatal Frame games. And the easiest way to tell for Fatal Frame 1, you look at the Tecmo logo in the bottom right corner, the reprint has a much bigger Tecmo logo than the uh, uh, the original print. And it it's not just the case art. There's differences in the contents as well. So the reprint shows like a, a slim PS2 in the manual, whereas the original shows like a fat PS2. Nice. Also, Fatal Frame's um, like a $70 complete box game. Like, I guess, I guess, I think Fatal Frame... Those games are all right. I don't think they're as good as the shooty shoot games, even though they are. It should be more horrifying because you have a camera, but I guess I like shooting stuff. I don't know. I I will say this about uh, what Resident Evil did in all these games and how they tie together is like creating this like kind of sub genre uh, of horror becoming survival horror. Uh, You know, it led PlayStation, PlayStation 2. And even into PlayStation 3, some of their most successful titles and like really became a cornerstone of like, oh, this is what the this is what the PlayStation does. You know, it's got these games. Nintendo doesn't have these games, even though they got a couple. But, you know, the survival horror machine it was the PS2. So, you know, it just, um, you know, it created this outlet and, uh, and a success beyond just whatever one individual game 
you think of it, you know, created a success for Sony that uh, hasn't really been matched. So, anyways, uh, tidbit for you, John. So let let's talk about how how the genre was ruined, shall we? <laughs> I think there's only one more game we need to talk about. Uh, the game that redefined what survival horror even is, Johnny. Yep. Uh, Resident Evil Four. They Whoa, ruined Resident it, Evil not so- and made it a shooty shoot game, Johnny. Now, that's not true. Everybody you, fucking loved this game. This was like the yeah, biggest ev- game when it came out. Everybody loved it. Tyler, do you like it? I love it. It's awesome. And you hate Resident Evil 1, but you like Resident Evil 4. Yep. But Resident Evil 4 ruined the genre by your... Uh, I'm by just your joking in that it yeah. completely changed the genre, especially <laughs> Resident Evil going forward. Uh, to where it became yeah. more of an action horror game than a survival horror. Oh, they're like, hey, we don't, you no longer need to cramp your hand to play this game. Let's make these controls a little better. Which is weird because it happened on a GameCube controller, which is not the best. I have a question, Johnny. So one thing we didn't mention, um, I know we haven't even talked about Resident Evil 4 yet. So in Resident Evil 1 and 2, there are items you find that limit how much you can save, which is a super cool idea. I oh, forgot, yeah. do they do that in Resident Evil 4 still? I don't remember. Okay. But man, limiting how much you can save is such a dumb anti-player obtuse mechanic. Oh, it's so good. I love it. Oh, I felt so bad dumb. every time I used a save item. Oh, did you find games. it? Yeah. Like, like, should I, it just creates, it creates a feeling of dread that is not intrinsic to gameplay. You're just like, oh God, if I use my tape now or my typewriter ribbon now, is this the wrong time to save? Am I going to hit a really hard encounter later? And then you just die, and then you're like, I should have saved! <laughs> just so dumb. And I'm, I'm fucking... one who, I never use my items. Like, if I'm playing Resident Evil, I'm not going to use any of my herbs or anything. Um, I'm just going to rough it as much as I can, because I'm the person who ends the game having all the items in my inventory. So even though I'll have, like, seven ribbons, I'm like, oh, man, if I use one, that's it. That's it for this playthrough. I can't use it again. So, uh, yeah, definitely Hate plays on, on players like me. But anyway, Resident Evil 4, we don't even remember if it has that mechanic, but it sure has a lot more shooting. You know what everyone remembers uh, and kind of uh, some inspiration that is in the show? The what are you buying? What you selling, guys? What you selling? What you buying? What you selling? God, shut up. So annoying. Shut up. Well, one of the, the most memorable pieces of voice acting in video games. Yeah, hate it. Oh, my God. Ah, yes, buy it at a high price. Anyways, uh, yeah, Resident Evil 4. Tell me some some factoids about Resident Evil 4. I don't really have factoids, Johnny, but... uh, Sure you do. It, uh... So, all the Resident Evil games have, like, shitty pre-rendered backgrounds and tank controls. And then Resident Evil 4, you just... You get put behind Leon, like, over the shoulder. Like, it's a third-person shooter. But it still definitely has, like, the jump scares. It has, like, quick time events that you will just die. You have to, like, it. it's meant to spike your adrenaline when they come up. So definitely still has the horror element. But after this point, it comes back to the, to the concept of it's a horror game where you can die. Does that count as survival horror? And I don't know. So, yes, it's a survival horror game, but it's really shifting more towards action horror from, from this point on. Uh, so I think because of that, 
super important game, both in the genre or just the landscape of what, uh, how horror games were made going forward. Resident Evil 4, $25 game. I think it is, uh, considering GameCube prices have gone crazy, horror game prices are always crazy. It's a super popular game. It's a super important game. $25, I would say, Johnny, for just a regular black label GameCube copy of Resident Evil 4. Uh, it was released on GameCube and then ported to PlayStation and PC afterwards. Uh, and the Wii. You should own a copy of Resident Evil 4. Yes, and ported to yeah. Wii. I'm sure it's ported and to Switch, Johnny. And the PS3 and the <laughs> PS4. Like, there, it is impossible. If you own video, a video game console, you can play radio, <laughs> Resident Evil 4 on it, probably. Um, yeah, they want you to play Resident Evil 4. Uh, they also really want you to play Resident Evil 5. Which is not a good game. You're wrong. We could talk about it yep. after, though. Yeah, uh, I think that the Wii version of Resident Evil Four is really good. I like the pointy controls and I like the motion controls in that game. But I, if you're gonna just I put it on it your too. shelf, get the GameCube version. Don't be crazy. Uh, if you're gonna put it on your shelf, buy the GameStop exclusive version. Disagree for the for uh no it's great because it's a steel book which doesn't have a label on the spine and it looks terrible oh, when you yeah. try and put it on your shelf. It's awful. It's great. So, so I hate I hate the steelbook thing when they do this. Like they've already shown that you can make a steelbook and put the the name on the spine. Stop doing this like and they call it a steelbook. It's not. It's a bullshit tin clamshell. It's not a fucking steelbook. Get out of here. So this GameStop special edition, did it just it just came from the store as this steelbook, right? Yep. So it has it the game feels in it has like, like a, a component of a bigger box. Like I have one. I think I have a sealed one. Um but it feels like there should be an outer box around it because it just looks so unassuming and kind of bad. But inside of it is just a regular black label copy of the game. So it's technically better than a black label. I just don't like it as much. Do you know what the worst part is? The part where they put GameStop on the steel tin. Gross. Hate it. Yeah. GameStop special edition. Like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, this is not it's i think it's got like a mini guide in it or something too the lithograph it, it it has like it's called like the starter guide which feels probably just like an advertisement to buy the real guide yeah definitely and anyways it has you a you said lithograph like they call it like a laser cell i think it's called something really fancy sounding yeah. i think it's funny it's this little matted picture of leon kennedy it, like the classic picture of him holding a gun but it's like matted as if you're going to frame it. And I'm just thinking like someone goes to Walmart, buys a frame for this picture of Leon Kennedy and like puts it on their nightstand. Oh, like Tyler, what, what is this? Tyler, please, please for your picture for this, just put, a, put that in a frame and <laughs> take a picture for the episode. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be really good. <laughs> yeah. New on collector's quest. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, you. This game is not expensive. It should be more money, like you were saying. You can buy the steel book for like I don't know, fifty to seventy dollars, right? Is that about right? Yeah, I mean they're all over the like, place. They're not rare at all, obviously. They, they those tins though get nicked up and dented yep. super easy. So like, buy the nicest version as you can, but for a reasonable amount of money. But yeah, just know that they those tins get they're not they're not the sturdiest piece of work. Yep, there's a player's choice. Don't buy it. I don't know what it costs. It's probably the yeah, same as Black Table, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's also, uh, yeah, there's the greatest hits on PS4 as well, or PS2. PS2. 
Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the best thing to buy for this. Um, the chainsaw controller. Tell me about that. What is it? Does, I don't know, Johnny. The, this has always been explodes? like a thing. Like since this came out, people have loved this controller because it looks like a tiny chainsaw, which is really yeah. cool. A tiny bloody chainsaw, even. It, yep. It comes in this box that looks like it's from a fucking Saw movie. Um, it does. And it, it basically has, it's like, it's not as big as a chainsaw, but it has, like, the basic shape of a chainsaw, so you hold it kind of, like, from a handle, like, almost like a, a gun grip would have, and then from the side is where you actually have your, the analog stick. Really strange controller. I don't know if people actually play with this controller, but it sure looks heckin' cool. Heckin' cool. Okay, heckin' cool, yeah. Johnny. Okay. It, yeah, it looks like something. There's two different versions of this controller. There's an orange one for the PS2, and um, what was it? Yellow one for the GameCube? Yes. And the layouts even are entirely different. I th- oh, no. Are they not? No, they're not. They, they they take the controller, turn it diagonally, and kind of plop it onto the uh, the surface of the chainsaw, and it just looks... It's more obvious with the PlayStation controller because the analog sticks are next to each other. Yep. Either uh, way, I don't think also, anyone's playing with this. This looks like such a bad controller to actually play with. Uh, yeah. The blood splatters are also different on them, on the on the blades. So and this is like up there with like the Katana controller for uh, uh, Onomusha and like the Dragon Warrior controller where it's like a slime. If you haven't seen that. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. So, uh, place, I, I don't know what this era of controllers was about. Uh, in the Wii, you start getting interesting controller attachments. You get like a knife and a gun attachment for your Wii sticks, uh, for your Wii motes. Um, but yeah, these chainsaws, they're like 300 bucks. Three uh, to 500. Either version, I think, on, is around $300. Johnny. I think the GameCube version trends for a little more, but not a lot more. Uh, I think the GameCube version has a slightly bigger and more cool box also it's a nintendo product so just get the gamecube one it's a gamecube game come on the playstation version support uh weird that we're talking about resident evil and buying it for a nintendo system but here we are nintendo exclusive and also this game looked really good i remember thinking it was impressive that they were able to port it to playstation 2 at all um yeah it's because this game looked good for the time also johnny does leon ever get a chainsaw in resident evil 4 i know you get murdered with a chainsaw a lot it's interesting that there's a chainsaw controller though yeah i like i was actually thinking about that same thing i'm like i remember all the horrible deaths i suffered at the (laughs) chainsaw yes because it goes into like a dramatic close-up when it happens yeah it's uh Uh, what's the game that also does that Oh, like Last of Us. Like Last of Us has like these horrible, like two second clips of like this just gory death. And when you get hit with the yeah, chainsaw well, on Resident Evil, it does the same a, thing. When a clicker gets you, if you don't have your shiv upgraded, you just totally get like like your, your throat, throat gets ripped out in gruesome detail, but only shows it for like a split second. It's perfect. Yeah, and uh, that that be an influence of Resident Evil Four. I don't know where they actually got that. Also, well, also they have uh, there's. One of the trophies you get um, references Resident Evil. Um, so, yeah, you can. Yeah, Resident Evil is an influence on The Last of Us, definitely. No way. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, any other big ones you want to talk about? I mean, this action horror game inspired a lot more action horror games. I, it, you know, but survival horror kind of changes. Not that there isn't survival horror games, but 
definitely the landscape changes and for a muddy genre gets muddier uh, after Resident Evil 4. Definitely. That's what um, I would say. In terms of collecting, though, I definitely think the... So from this point on, the more traditional uh, survival horror games or just horror games in general are the ones that are more collectible, probably because they sell worse and because there's, you know, the genre elitists who want things to be as scary and gruesome as possible and not just have guns. Uh, the interesting the about that rose. on the flip side, if you're a collector, is all the action horror games are still horror games, but they're very cheap. Like, Bioshock and Last of Us are horror games, and they're so popular and common that they don't cost anything. No, and they're great. Yeah. Like, I would much rather play Last of Us than Rule of Rose. I, I mean, that's that's not saying a lot. That's not a fair comparison, because Last of Us is, like, one of my favorite games hot of all time. Take. Yeah, Last hot of Us take. better than Rule of Rose. Yeah, I'm like, Last of Us and Bioshock, two of my most favorite modern games I would rather play that than the really mediocre Rule of Rose. Or Haunting Ground. Hey, how about that? Is that a hotter take? Anyways. Um, I think if you were looking for cool underpriced games that are kind of in this genre, but really more in the action horror genre, uh, all those Rule of Roses and Haunting Grounds, they're sussed out. The the genre crazy people, they're they're hoarding that stuff. They have all that stuff. There are so many goddamn copies of games like Bioshock and Dead Space and, and all this, and they're so cheap. Like, they're at the point, maybe not after coronavirus, where, like, they can't be cheaper, like some of these, like, $5 games. And I think it's a great time to uh, load up on all of that action horror stuff right now. Yeah, I mean, I think before coronavirus was the right, the perfect time. I mean, time, that would have been the best time. But th yeah, I still, still think the everything best time is, is now for those kind of games. Yeah, you can, like, you should, you should look through the PS2... Uh, and the PS3 and PS4 library for all these type of games and the Xbox 360 and be like, what are the great games here that uh, are of the genre? Now is the time. Go get them. Because like Tyler was saying, they like it can't they can't stay this low forever. They can't. Yeah. And I think there's an element of horror, the horror genre in general, similar to like platformers and shooters that's timeless. And it might not be the gameplay mechanics, but First of all, the gameplay mechanics of horror games are kind of intentionally bad, which makes the genre a little more timeless, which is a little bit weird. Uh, but the second thing is the most exciting aspect of a horror game is how it makes you feel, how it scares you, the atmosphere. And getting a jump scare in the original Resident Evil is just as effective now as it was in 1996. So that is still a, a cool and exciting part of that game, which hasn't really aged even though everything else about Resident Evil 1 has aged. Uh, so I do think it makes them stand the test of time a little better. I agree. All right. So I, I think that's uh, our rundown um, of what, if you were going to start collecting survival horror, what we would be looking at, right? Definitely. The Everybody go get 3D horror. Monster Chase for the ZX Spectrum. No, don't get 3D <laughs> Monster Chase. Get 3D Monster Maze. Uh, go get Haunted House, the black box variant. As Absolutely. we all are definitely calling it. We are. I Look, if people start calling it Haunted House Black Box, <laughs> I'm I'm attributing it to me. I started this nonsense. Uh, I mean, technically, nice, Heritage Auctions, I don't know if they've sold one, but they'll have started it if they sold one. But you're right. If, no, if I, Heritage hasn't sold one, uh, you definitely win. All right. 
Also, I said I was going to come back to Heritage. Uh, yeah, Resident Evil sold for $250,000. 9.6 A plus long box. Uh, I thought I thought it was like 222 or something. All right, 220, something like that. Over $200,000. Yeah, yeah. And I look at that price, like objectively insane price. And at the same time, I'm like, I can't tell if that's disappointing. Uh, like, there are people with like just the most lofty sky high expectations. There's definitely someone, if you dig through Facebook, someone thought this would sell for over a million dollars. So, uh, that, no, I, I heard people say that or over 500,000 people were projecting more. But I think if you would have told me in the day after Mario sold for a hundred thousand that a Resident Evil would sell for 200,000, I would have told you that's not no way. <laughs> and here we are. Here, here we are now where people are discussing whether $200,000 is a disappointing number for that's, a sealed long box. Right. Resident Evil. So the way I've heard people spin it is like, so there were, uh, I, I wasn't following this auction. I, I'm, I'm kind of a little disillusioned with the, the lot of people right now. Um, I, I had the auction on in the background though, and I was looking at some of the more interesting stuff. So there was a sealed first print TM Zelda and it sold for like $700,000 and there's like like four of these that are popularly known to exist in the the high end collecting circles, and it's it's fucking Zelda Johnny. If I was to pick like the coolest games of all times in terms of historical importance, fucking the original Legend of Zelda would be up there. And obviously, you know, Absolutely. I'm I'm Mr. Famicom Disk System over here. But if I'm one of these people pretending that Japan doesn't exist, first print of the first Zelda extremely high on my list of cool things it sold for less than the second print did which is just mind-blowing even though it's a crazy number that i sure thought that was gonna sell for a lot more yeah it still feels like it should sell for more than the bad one um so (laughs) so uh I think I think there were some disappointing sales, but then I've seen people defend it as like, no, it's healthy that the market the market got too big too fast. This is this is really good. It's actually a good thing that prices are are going down and not meeting expectations. See, you said that like the Carl Jost thing didn't actually affect anything, but uh, maybe it did because maybe all of those you know shill bidders and the internal bidders at Wada had to like take the day off that day, or they might be exposed. There's my conspiracy theory for you. Well, there's there's auctions literally every week on Heritage Auctions. There's just like an endless deluge of, I know, of these wild games. So I'm I'm I that's a joke. You I, know I, I don't fucking sh- gonna have to ding this. me on that one, Johnny. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I'm not. You know, I don't go into conspiracy town. That the market will figure itself out whenever it does. Uh, by the way, market, get on that, please, because <laughs> fucking it's weird. Um, all right, yeah. Anyways. Tyler, do you have a question of, of the show for us? Mm. Since we're going to transition us out mm. of that, I'm I so hope happy you remember this segment because I never do. Collecting right, questions? Well. No, ask the podcast. Oh boy, we got got a bunch of questions. All right, what? Only do two or one. Strange one or two. asks, "What's a system that you know is garbage but love playing and/or collecting for anyway?" For me, it's Game Boy Color and N64. You love playing? No, that is uh that's Strange's answer is Game Boy Color and oh. N64. Oh, well I'm a I'm a garbage man. I I collect a lot of N64 games. In fact, all of the US ones I collected. Um yeah, 
that's a really garbagey system. I also do buy Game Boy Color ones. Um, it's hard because I do sets, so it's like you know, like I own Sega Pico games, all all of the US ones. That's like a terrible system, but like that I actually enjoy. Like I, a system I think is bad is the PS One. That's gonna be wow. a, I know that's a tough a tough answer Why? for Whoa. people. Yeah, what? so li- hear me out. Hear me out. It's not the PS1's fault because of the time, it was amazing and it produced a bunch of games that are still classics and amazing today. But I think like the N64, it's in this the beginning of these 3D graphics. So if you try to play them modern, they just all look super bad. Also, the PS1 has a huge library full of some really mediocre games that were just trying things. Uh, so the PS1 is a hard system to collect for because it's got a bunch of trash games, a bunch of sports games, and 3D is in its infancy for consoles, so the games don't really hold up. And yeah, you got some that like stuck to sprites, and but like all these heavy polygon-based games, just they don't they don't look great. That's my answer. It's not that I don't think the PS1 is amazing to collect for because I do. I think it's a, a historical and worthwhile and important system, one of the most important ever. Uh, and I love my PS1 set. I just think that because of these factors, um, you know, you you get you get a system that is maybe you know not the best uh, for gameplay. So the that, question that, is, is uh, what's reasonable? a system you know is garbage? So Johnny is calling PlayStation like easily like a top three most important best system of all time garbage. Which I also stated. <laughs> I was trying to give a more nuanced answer than just being like, the Game Boy Color is garbage, but I buy some Game Boy Color games. Well, uh, like that, I mean, I, I think Game Boy Color do- is garbage to the point where like I am actively discouraged from buying Game Boy Color games. I don't want I anything know. on Game Boy Color. Just buy buy your little Nicky. And uh, move on. I mean, which that was a surprising game because I posted that and there was so many people were like, what the fuck is this real? I didn't know that that many people didn't know that little Nikki was real. Are you like, come on, who thinks about little Nikki on the Game Boy? No, but I did. That is an obscure game. I know, but I didn't know that anyone thought it would be fake. Like, wow. Like, I guess if you were mocking up something to be funny, I guess little Nikki on the Game Boy cover would objectively be funny. It's Um, true. I mean, because yeah, why would I did you not make expect that a video that. game. Like, yeah, one hundred percent. There's a lot of games on the Game Boy Color where you just look at it and you're like, "Why is this a game?" Um, yeah. Anyway, I was just trying to give a more nuanced answer. I don't think the PS One is garbage. I think I qualified all of that. I was just trying to give like a, a try and name a system that you know uh, is an amazing system, but maybe that has like amazing games. Maybe I don't want to play it. I, I mean. Is your answer going to be GameCube? What? <laughs> no, what? What's your GameCube? answer? Is GameCube garbage? Kinda. I don't think GameCube uh, is Sometimes. Garbage. I think GameCube is the most Nintendo system there is. It's got like really? the most first party Nintendo franchises and exclusives of any system ever. It's got a bad Mario. At least, the, it, see, that's the one problem with GameCube is it has a bad Mario game. But like all of the bad B Mario. stuff on GameCube, you've got like 1080, you got Pikmin, like Animal Crossing. Uh, Animal Crossing is not really a B thing. Metroid anymore. Prime. Ooh, Metroid, Metroid Prime's Prime. not a B thing, certainly. Um, no. Uh, but just every but franchise Zelda, is represented. It also has GameCube. a so it has a controversial Zelda t- as well because that Zelda didn't sell everybody. Wind Waker. Oh, see, you said controversial Zelda. I'm like Twilight Princess, one of the best Zeldas. 
Uh, no, I, it's got four Zelda games. It's got Master Quest, no, Wind Waker, Twilight no, Princess, no, no. We're, and the other. We're talking one, about like yes, but we're talking about like the 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 system seller or like the franchise. I know. Twilight I Princess know, came but, at the end. Yeah, but like when you're like when you put like the Mario and the Zelda up there, you're like, here's your Mario, here's your Zelda for the system, and you look at both of them and you go, huh, these are the Marios and the Zeldas you decided on. Interesting choices. See, I and think that's Twi- hard. Twilight Princess makes up for Wind Waker. Also, Wind Waker is pretty unique. So it is, even Look, though it's not I, my favorite I, I Zelda, think, it has something going for it. I think it aged better than I expected it to. How about that? Probably because you played an HD remake that took out some of the bad parts of it. Oh man, the <laughs> HD re- the HD remake. I'm going to tell you is the definitive way oh, to play God. that game. Don't don't take it sailing is. out what? of Wind Waker. Everything bad about the game no, is what makes it, the game no. a game. No, if no, they, if they it's made a Skyward it's Sword a... that had like a cohesive overworld and didn't make you fight that giant black boss literally three times the same exact boss fight, uh, I would say don't play that because the Skyward Sword experience is how shitty Skyward Sword is. No, that's that. Look, you have to redefine your experiences and make better experiences. That's like I'm saying. Like that wasn't. It wasn't fun. It it, It's like yes, it was was intrinsic to the game, but it wasn't good intrinsic to the game. So, just do do the better thing. Go play it on the HD the HD version. All right, I'm I'm gonna answer the question. uh, I'm trying to think of the exact way it was worded. A system that's absolutely garbage, like CDI. I really don't like playing and collecting CDI games all that much, uh, but it I is definitely See, the don't collect top of the garbage pile. Uh, like but I just you don't bought collect Zelda's it. Adventure. Yeah, but you know I have those, but I don't consider myself a CDI. Yeah, collector. I'm not. I'm not a serious CDI collector. So definitely, I would say recently is ZX Spectrum. Um, not to call Ooh, like one a- of the most important computers of all time garbage, but every time I go and I play a Spectrum game, I'm like, ooh. Maybe I want to play the Commodore version because this is pretty shitty. They're impressive in like, a wow, they did a lot for how shitty this computer is, but still oftentimes pretty shitty. Uh, and I've been buying a lot of Spectrum games lately, so I- I'll go with uh, Spectrum for that. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have another one or is that it? For Lord Hardstyle Z asks, if you were to start collecting something new for something, what would that be and why? That is a strangely phrased question. Lord Hardstyle Z. What, what? Give me your answer. Let's, let's hear. If you were like to start collecting something system, new for something, does like, that mean am I collecting like, like sealed mo- games, or no, am I, I collecting think moving a brand out of new games thing? genre? Like, if you're no longer collecting games, but you're still a collector, what are you collecting? Oh, it's not video games. Um, that's what. That's the spirit I'm taking it. I would definitely get more serious into collecting stamps, and I mean, I know I collect like video game stamps. I'm, I'm not a serious stamp you collector. Would- um, I think stamps are just, amazing. What do you say, Johnny? Are you interrupting me? What? I just, I just don't ever want to be called a philatelist. I, I love philately, Johnny. You know, I could, we could go talk about filleting sometime. Well, sure. I would love if you filleted me sometime. <laughs> uh, I think stamps are the perfect collectible because there is nearly endless depth to it. And 99% of what's out there is fucking worthless. It's worth what less than what is printed on the paper sometimes. And you can still use some of these stamps. So it is 100% a hobby driven by passion, except for like that top 1% of like investable, super rare, super old stuff. Um, 
but you could get you can get 200 year old stamps stamps haven't even been around for 200 years you can get 150 year old stamps that cost almost nothing because so many stamps are so common and worthless so i think it's a really cool hobby okay um i expected your answer to be vhs tapes but they take up too much space so another thing about stamps they don't take up any room and space is a serious premium true um I mean, I collect a lot of dumb bullshit things um, already. So, if I was not collecting, if I if I was like wiping up my game collection, um, like I wouldn't get that serious into comics. I don't think because I I want to buy some comics, but I don't think I would go crazy. Um, the thing I could see myself being an insane person about, like the way I collect video games, would probably be vintage Star Wars figures. Um, probably not new ones because i already went down that road and learned i hated it but like vintage ones because there's like so many different weird card variants and different ways to collect it i I would probably go that route plus i'm already bought like slowly been buying like a few vintage card figures here and there um you know and i think even a loose display would look like pretty cool if you had like the first hundred figures and like the vehicles are awesome I, i just i like the the way it looks and it it hits the right nostalgia button for me, but really I have like my list of the 20 figures I want on card and we'll hopefully one day get, but probably not. And, uh, that's about where I'm sticking. But if I wasn't doing games and like gave up everything else, yeah, I might, I might be a crazy person. I was like, well, I, I got, uh, Luke Skywalker, uh, the farm boy version on, on the 12 back, but I also got on the empire card and the, the return of the Jedi card, but also I got the Pally toy version from the UK and I got this, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways you can collect one different figure there. Also, he's got a bunch of color variations on them that you could get depending on the factory, much like video games, depending which factory you get something out of, uh, can change the figure a lot. So yeah, that's what I would do. I would go, I'd be a crazy person that way. See how much I already know about it. Uh, and I don't know that much, uh, speaks to how close I am to being uh, a nut job on star Wars figures. Yes. And, uh, I'm with you on comics. Like I do enjoy comics, but I just know the way I collect, like I've already tried to collect comics like 15 years ago was when I was most serious about it. I think maybe 10 years ago. Um, but the way I collect, I like, there's the, there's the quality over quantity people who have like 20 things in their collection, mint condition. They're all like the most expensive investment pieces. And then there's like the set people who want fucking everything and so many comics come out. There are so many comics or so many comics that exist. Even just of characters I like, even if I just collected Batman books that cost less than $10, it would be like a problem amount of comics for me to own. So I just couldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what I ran into. So like when I started buying some of these uh, graded books, you know, not going for obviously 9.8s because that was like crazy. I just wanted to have a couple of like genuine nice copies of my favorites. I was still like, wow. And then like some of the ones I consider important-ish that would be like cool to own. I still was at like a hundred comics and that was like me paring it down to the best of the best that I'm interested in. And I was like, but I like complete runs. I, you know, when I first was collecting Batman, I was like, I would like a complete run, uh, you know, minus like probably the first hundred of Batman and detective comics. And this is, you know, back in the early two thousands when maybe that was more obtainable. I was like, I think that's something I'd like to do. I'm in the four hundreds. And then you start to think about how many years that is for comics. How many, how many years does a book have to be out for it to have 800 books 
a long time because only 12 come out a year traditionally. Um, so just, just think about that. And then the, like, and then there's so many ancillary books and comics. It would just be a super big problem. It would, you, you would just, it would be never ending and condition is never going to be great. It's just, no, thanks. It would also no bother thanks. me I that know. I essentially can't have the best stuff. Like you'll never have a detective yeah. 27 or a Batman one. And you go to nope, video games. And it's like, Oh, I, I own super Mario brothers. I own Donkey no, I, Kong. Uh, if I wanted to, I could go out and buy a Donkey Kong cabinet and be like, this is the real super collectible first thing. And it would cost me like a thousand bucks. It wouldn't cost me a million dollars. It's it's very different. Yeah. You can basically get whatever you want in video games. And I think that's Yeah. Cool. I mean, same with, yeah. Same with like Star Wars figures. I'm like, oh, I really want like Darth Vader on it, on his 12 back from original. It's like, yeah, I might be like, I might be able to spend like $2,000 on that. But I could do that. If I had to, I could go do that, right? Like, I might have to do that 10 times or 12 times, you know, for all the 12 backs, but like, whatever. I could, I could accomplish that over, uh, you know, a lifetime, which comics, even when I started, you know, 20 years ago, it was never happening. Yeah. It was our, the door was already shut. So I agree. Yeah. We're, we're on the same page there. All right, Johnny. Um, Let's do it. What, what'd you buy? What you buying? <laughs> what you playing? <laughs> Uh oh, I didn't I didn't write anything down in the what am I buying, Johnny? Oh man, we're just so oh, poorly oh. prepared for this episode. This is a morning episode. We're keeping it really chill and cool do want, here. Do you want Do you want me to talk about what I've bought? Sure, Johnny. Oh, okay. So I bought Alone in the Dark for the PC. Oh wow. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird. It has not arrived yet. Oh, I also bought that uh two pack of the Seventh Guest and Eleventh Hour collector's big box because oh, you showed it to me and i thought it was neat oh that's so cool I, i'm so in on that i don't have one of those and i showed it to you and you showed me how cheap you got it for and now i'm like oh do i i should have bought that yeah yeah <laughs> i you showed it to me i'm like i guess you want me to buy it all right um i got uh alone in the dark new nightmare for the game boy color because i was like that's weird it came out on the game boy color let's uh take a look at that you, you so i bought that to, but okay I, you know, weird. I also bought another Game Boy Color game in this same iteration. I bought uh, Brian's Journey. It's Quest, Brian's Journey. It's like the second Quest game on the Game Boy Color, and it's the rare, harder to find version. So I bought that. Um, I bought the Resident Evil Director's Cut. Um, oh, I didn't mention this during the Resident Evil segment. So there's a Director's Cut. I said that the player's choice or greatest hits is a single there is a version of the director's cut that is also a single disc version and it's the non dual shock version um that you can get i bought that so there's a director's cut and a director's cut dual shock ver for the american one too yeah and that's the one that's always the double disc okay so um the double disc is a demo of resident evil 2 yeah okay I'm asking you. Um, I'm making sure. If you're wrong, we're gonna have to put that in errata. <laughs> oh God! Oh, now I feel like I should look. I'll I'll look later. Okay. Um, while while you're talking, but yeah, I bought that. Um, what? I mean, I bought some stuff. Um, oh, I bought uh Crazy Taxi. Thanks, Bird Dog, for showing me the Crazy Taxi. That was like pretty cheap. That sounds like and had GBA. its poster. Yes, it is GBA. Uh, and I bought a Laura Croft Tomb Raider with the slip cover and the bonus item inside. That's that's what I bought. 
Whew. With a slip and I think cover I bought and some other stuff. Wait, what are you talking about? What is that? Yeah, so I'm sorry. That is. It's Tomb Raider. This is for PS2. It's Tomb Raider Legends. Oh, There's okay. a version that have uh, a legend that has um, a slip cover. So it's weird. It's a slip cover that's also a gatefold. Um, so yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I don't have that version of Tomb Raider because I was like looking at Tomb Raider games too. I'm like, I should own all the Tomb Raider games because Tomb Raider. You know, why not? Uh- I mean, I guess, but also at the same time, there's a bunch of not well, great it's like on the PS- games. Yeah, there is, but like I have most of them anyway. It's like I guess I like because by the nature of set collecting, I have most of them. I might as well get the PS2 ones I don't have. It's it's not I mean, that many. Yeah. It's like three, so it's not like I'm going crazy on Tomb Raider. Um, and I have like the Xbox ones because or the 360 ones uh, because I played those. Or Xbox One. I guess it's Xbox One. Yeah. Those were good. You know. Are those survival horror? Kind of. Talk about it, right? Is is the new Tomb Raiders on the Xbox One, are those uh, are those survival horror? No. If they are, uh, they're action horror because you have the over-the-shoulder view. Yeah. But when they were first making Tomb Raider, did you know they were like, should we make this a survival horror game? And there was... Uh, or the, I'm sorry, the new Tomb Raider. When they were making the new Tomb Raider, where they're rebooting it, they talked about making it strictly a survival horror. Game. They should have done that. A few Take a risk. Don't just make a sequel in a line of ten sequels. That's like, oh, it's another. Well, this was. A, this I mean, this was a reboot. I, and that Tomb Raider game was very good. So I, I, I know. I just like, I like when it, they it, take something and make it completely different, like a straight survival yeah. horror Tomb Raider game. That's like something. I'm not usually someone out there buying new games. I'd look at that and I'd be like, what's this? Maybe I should play this. You know, I, I like maybe not a full game, but if you gave me like a DLC that was like a four hour or five hour DLC, that was like a survival horror. I'd pay like 20 bucks for that and just do it. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. So I, I don't like, oh, I bought Day of the Tentacle. Did we talk about that? You know, it's actually been a long time since the last episode. It's been like three weeks. Yeah, it has. Three or four weeks. So yeah, I actually I bought the triangle package right after we were talking about the the triangle box, the obelisk box. After that episode, I was because we were talking about it, and I was like making sure I had some details. I got a flag that one came up on eBay right then, and I and it was uh, it was like three hundred dollars the starting bid on it, and like we were just talking about it, it's like seven hundred dollars. So I best offered the guy. 500 i was like maybe he'll just take my best offer because it was like 300 bid or best offer it was like that version and i i'm like i best offered 500 i think 550 even and uh like what i went up to when he declined and i was like all right well i'll just wait it out and see what happens it was like a six-day auction and i waited and i waited and no one bid and no one bid and no one bid and i just so i had the three i like all right i'll put the 300 bid in and see if i just win it one guy put in a bid and then I came over the top of them at the very end and got it for four ninety. Well, good on you. Show show that best offer denier who's boss, Johnny. I I mean I just I was surprised because it normally like what they usually sell pretty quickly. They like cycle through, and I expected during like the Halloween season that it would just go and someone would like put a big best offer on. And when I put my best offer on, and it was like just there. I was competing against five different best offers already. It said like you're competing against five best offers. I was like, fuck, I'm not, I'm not getting this. It's probably going to go for like $800 and I don't really want to pay that. Like 500 was really like, okay, well that's like a good chunk of my Halloween money to go for games. And I don't know if I want to do it. 
And yeah, I got it for four ninety. I'm not like saying you got like dunked on it. I mean, it was like a ten dollar difference if he would have taken my. <laughs> like it's not like yeah, gotcha, fucker. Uh, but hey, I, I won, and I won for under my best offer price, and that always feels good. We uh... also, I got a cool game. Oh. Like the box is cool. What do you want? Oh yeah. We uh we make episodes about what we're interested in. So if we don't have stuff we talk about, we talk ourselves into buying stuff a lot of the time. <laughs> or well, at least true. Like you- a lot of times, like one of you will bring guys will bring something up on an episode and be like, "Oh damn, why don't I have that?" Um, yeah, you did that to me this episode, and I'm just like, "Do I want to pay shipping for House of Usher?" Because that game is cool. I'm like, "Man, I should." How much own is House, House of, of Usher? Usher? Like we that that was just like a brought it up real quick kind of thing it's 30 dollars. it's like really? 30 bucks but yeah but shipping is like 25 from the uk so it's like if i do it i'm gonna send it to my forwarder the question is not do i want this game the question is do i want to do a uk order right now okay <laughs> oh, so it's just like a, one of those big cassette games oh yeah, yeah you get a spanish exactly. one for 15 bucks wow this game is way cheaper than i thought so double check I think there's there might be two House of Ushers. I I'm just basing this on YouTube. One of them looks like a platformer, and the other one is the top down. Hard okay, game. well th- that that one was the Atari one. So I think they're both that's... on Atari. Oh I, really? I don't know what I'm talking about. They could be the same game, and I'm just crazy. But just make sure you're buying like the cool horror game and not the the platforming yeah. game. What you if I'm talking about the tower. same game and I don't even know what I'm talking about, Johnny? I Maybe. don't know. Well, you... The beauty is, Tower, I would buy it, and I would never, ever know. <laughs> See, I don't want to do that. I don't want to buy the wrong thing. It's Schrodinger's game. I'll uh, never know. Anyways, that's what I bought. I bought a lot of stuff. And uh, what I played. Man, Tyler, so I beat Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Well, Right? So you're like, okay, because I, I bought that Konami collection, uh, the digital one. I hope they release a physical like everybody else. Um even though I already own those games a few times, if you've been following my Octavania stuff, you've seen like the Japanese covers of those GBA games. Uh, if you're not following the Octavania tag or at least looking at it, I'm showing like I'm showing stuff that Tower's going, wow, that's neat, uh, which doesn't happen very much when I post. Tower's like interested in what I'm posting, so um, that's a rare occurrence. Anyway, I got like computer 40 games. It's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I I've posted like 40 different things and I think I've got up to 60. I probably will be posting after Halloween ends because I just like I'm going to have to post 20 more Castlevania items. Um anyways, what I played. So I played Circle of the Moon. You'd think like, "Oh, well, you're going to go play Harmony of Dissonance now." And I was like, "Nah, I think I'm done with like kind of platformers right now." I'm like, "Ah, I just need some like Something short and kind of uh, comfort food. Not that Circle of the Moon is very long. I'm like, I'll just play Last of Us. I, I haven't played that in a while. And like, the Last of Us TV show is being made, and they're like showing some set photos, and I'm I'm getting excited. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go play through the first Last of Us. So I did that. Didn't take very long. And then I was like, I just started New Game Plus and just kept playing. I'm, now I'm at like the end of New Game Plus. I'm like, oh, so I just like basically played through the Last of Us twice. So that's what I've done. I've heard you like The Last of Us. I do. I've I've said multiple times it's one of my favorite games. Okay. So yeah, that's now you're ready to go. I'm ready to go. Okay. All right, Johnny. Um, speaking of Tomb Raider, I got a sealed uh, PC version oh, no. of Tomb Raider. Uh, this was yeah. a total just like YOLO bid. I did not expect to win this. It was under three hundred dollars. Um, 
But I figured since it goes for like $100,000 on PlayStation and the PC version is the better version of the game, uh, and it's the one I played as a kid, uh, I just YOLO'd $300 and I actually won it. It's not in like the best shape, but it's sealed. So whatever, I got a sealed Tomb Raider now. Um, Nice. The actual, actual first print is the European Sega Saturn version. I think they were all developed at the same time. But there was like an exclusive deal where like Sega Saturn got to release it a week early in Europe. So, uh, yeah, we um, we talked about that on the show once. True first print. Go get that Sega Saturn Saturn. European, which you do not associate Tomb Raider with the Sega Saturn. But it's true. First print was on the Saturn. Also, Resident Evil did the director's cut did come with a five dollar off coupon for Resident Evil 2 and our six dollar off five or six dollars off and the interactive demo. So you we were right. Okay, we, we got it right. That we did it going on. Sorry. I bought something that Dan Gomez told me to buy like a year ago. No, um, I was looking for this for like a few months and then I was sick of looking at all my save searches. So I deleted it and then I added it back again because I saw someone else post it. Uh, it is Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary Edition for the Xbox 360, the not-for-resale variant. Uh, Ooh. So, Hambo- Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary Edition, a remake, already something I don't care about. I like Halo 1, so I'll consider myself a Halo 1 fan, so sure. Um, the interesting thing about this is that there's a little green box in the bottom center of the case that says not-for-resale, and people don't know where it came from. It's uncommon. It's not the hardest thing in the world to find. I just think it's interesting that people don't know where this variant came from. And one day they're going to find out and it's going to be completely uninteresting. But while people don't know right now, I think it's interesting to own it. It was $15. So whatever. Nice. And uh, I got Leather Goddesses of Phobos. For the nice. IMPC, I got that uh, 100% complete with the comic book and 3D glasses. It has a little 3D glasses comic book that comes with it. Um, Did you get it because we meant we were talking about it a little bit on the last show? No, this was 100%. So I, uh, I have random, just very generic save searches that I browse sometimes. And one of them is just PC 5.25 because I just want to see old floppy computer games. Yeah, yeah. And so I've, this came I have up. some generic search for stuff like that. Yeah, this came up. Uh, $45, but it had the 3D glasses and the comic. And so it was basically priced in line with all the other copies of Leather Goddesses of Phobos. But all those are like missing some component. They're either missing the comic, missing the glasses. And this had everything for that price. And I'm like, all right, well, it's a good deal. I have to buy it. That's the uh, the mark of, uh-oh, I've gone too far into buying video games. I I would buy. I would I would have bought that. I I would pay that money for that. Yeah. Is this the Infocom version with like the like drawing cover or is this like the picture of the ladies on the cover version? I don't know. I don't know which is first in this. I, I don't know which is first, but it's, it's the drawn cover. It's the okay. The one I don't know. It's the one that I think of when I think leather goddesses of Phobos. Yeah. Well, because there's one with like um, like two like ladies on it two at a gas ladies. station. Three ladies. Are you thinking of soft porn adventure? Uh, no. Okay. All right. I just don't know Leather Goddesses of Phobos, uh, variants. Yeah. Like, Sorry, John. uh, yeah, look it up. It's Leather God. Oh, oh, it's part two. That's what I'm thinking. Ah, it's part two. That I didn't even know there was a part two. Yeah. Uh, Leather Goddesses of Phobos, uh, if for all the kids these days who don't know what it was like, uh, before 
porn was readily available fucking everywhere, uh, along with Leisure Suit Larry and Soft Porn Adventure, a high quality game to pirate as a kid and then wonder where all the nudity is because you don't understand the concept of an adult game that's not just porn. <laughs> yeah. Like if it's an adult game, that means there's naked ladies in it. Yeah. It's for adults, meaning it's just porn all the time. That's what the adults like playing. This is no, basically going to be <laughs> like playing Cinemax. Game. Yeah. I'm playing a Cinemax adventure, right? Cinemax. Yep. John. You don't understand Cinemax. More like Skinemax. Whoa. I had the movie channels as a kid. Thank you, guy who hooked them up for me illegally. (laughs) Yeah, basically that meant um, back in the day, uh, they would show pornography that wasn't all the way. We called it softcore. So uh, it's just a really stupid name. But that's what it was called. You would show like boobs and Whoa. you might show female bits, but you usually didn't see male bits, or you just see like the the tuft of uh, female bits because back back in the eighties, kids um, they were covered in hair. Um, sorry, sorry, that's a we've gone a little blue here, so I apologize. But yeah, back in the day, that's what it was. Right into the show and tell us your favorite genres of softcore porn. Yeah, Johnny. So, <laughs> yep. I got a package from Japan with some stuff in it. I got. Uh, oh no. For the Super Famicom, Pachinko Tetsujin seventh game. Um, I, I inceptioned someone in Discord into buying this. I'm sorry, I forgot who. Uh, it might have been Dork Overlord. Uh, this is a Pachinko game that you could not buy at retail. You had to cash in Pachinko balls to get it. It's an obscure, rare Super Famicom game. There's almost no information about it on English internet, um, but it is, it's pretty rare and interesting. Not an expensive game, and there's a fake copy on Yahoo Japan that's constantly for sale, which I think slash hope keeps the price down. Um, but I don't think, it, for the most part, no one cares about Super Famicom Pachinko games, so no one's going to find that interesting, Johnny. I got Neon Genesis Evangelion for the Nintendo 64. I will say... of the reason I bought this is because uh, Red the Game Shark keeps sending me Evangelion memes. And uh, is it the first Evangelion game? I don't know. I don't know. I I feel like there's only 100. There's like 130 Japanese N64 games. And at some point, I'm just going to be like, I I just complete that set, right? They're so so goddamn cheap. If you bring up Red the Game Shark, you have to do the thing. Read the game, Shark. Cheap, cheap games. Uh, This was a Japanese N64 game, and I didn't buy it through him, so I'm sorry, Read the Game Shark, but uh, I'm sure you could have got me a better deal than what I paid. You might have seen me post a Castlevania 2 with a card, or a Simon's Quest with a card uh, for the Super Famicom Disk System, where I got from cheap, cheap games, where I got it cheap, thanks to Read the Game Shark. Read the Game Shark, for all your import needs. Uh... I paid $75 for this game. If this was an American game, this would be like a $300 N64 game. Oh, absolutely. Um, but $75 for a Japanese N64 game is really expensive to put in context. Super expensive. Yeah, because you can buy Zelda for like still like $25, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, probably less, less than $25 for most copies of like Ocarina of Time. Uh, you know, I keep meaning to buy that copy too, because it's like the weird gray black and white cover. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. I'm like, I should buy that. Yeah, we we could go. Cool. We could have a whole episode on how N sixty or how American Zelda box art is just awful. It's just the Zelda logo for 
Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2, uh, Link's Awakening, say, A Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, that, Majora's Mad. None of them have box art. What are we doing here, guys? The the Zelda cover for America, though, is so objectively cool with the cutout to see the gold cartridge <sighs> in the crest. Like, that... I, Look, I, I think it's, it's admirable one of the things that they did it for. once in a, like, we don't need box art. We already know this is the coolest fucking game on planet Earth. I think there's an aspect to that that's cool, but doing it for like seven games in a row is like, all right, come on, guys. Box uh, art's cool, too. <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, that what they've messed up Zelda plenty of times, but they set a precedent with Zelda 1 that they did not carry through enough i'm gonna say like you can you tell me why why zelda on the super nintendo doesn't have a gold cartridge it does in other places but not here can you tell me why i can would not a gold cartridge on the super nintendo be objectively cooler than what we got fucking makes me yes johnny unless unless it flaked off like the nes ones do now it's so hard to find like our super nice nes ones so i don't care I don't care. I still should have been that. The N64 ones are gold. Stupid. Hate it. Hate it. Anyways. Johnny, I'll, uh, I'll also just... Also, the, just... the Game Boy cart should also be gold. Every, all the <laughs> uh, These are objectively failures in my life. You know, the Game Boy uh, cart should life. at least have been a unique color, because there, there were, like, they made the Pokemon games unique colors. So they should have made, like, green or something, right? Something anything cool. would be better than what they did. It was so especially, you know what? They they messed up with the first one, but then they re-released it and still didn't fix it. They had multiple opportunities. You know, the Pokemon Gold card's gold, and it's not like shitty paint that's gonna wear off like Zelda. That's like a legit gold card. They should have done that for Link's Awakening. I realize I'm talking like a decade apart, but still. 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 Anything would be better than what they did. <laughs> All right. Go on. I'll, oh, I'll give yourself. you one more game from the Japanese box, Johnny. I got Dragon Ball Dragon Daihikyu. Okay, yeah. For the Super Cassette yeah. Vision. No, stop. Stop talking. <laughs> this game is hundreds no, of dollars, no, Johnny. St- it's uh, hundreds it's, of dollars? What? You paid hundreds of dollars? Oh, absolutely. Ugh. Um, it's the first Dragon Ball game, Johnny. Okay. Uh... Technically, one of the most prolific video game franchises. It's just a video game franchise primarily played by anime weirdos, so you don't think about it. But you're and a Game also Boy collector. A, like, how many Dragon Ball Z games are on the Game Boy Advance? They're they're like too many, and they're just not all that interesting. Let's let's say like if these were all objectively like great games or something, then I, they would get more talk. But they don't get the talk because I think they must not be great games. Or just dragon ball is look man dragon ball is like the thing i dislike most about anime i i I hate like so you know where you're a frame whore on video games i guess i'm a frame whore in animation uh because like the four frames a second that you're getting in dragon ball episodes and like the constant reused like it's about the stories Oh, it's not about the story because the animation <laughs> takes 10 minutes to tell no story. The story is seven minutes long, if that. And if I if they just animated it fine for seven minutes, I could get into it. But they do this stupid thing. Also, everybody looks the fucking same. It's so stupid. I fucking hate Dragon I Sorry, at me. I just, every I cannot get into Dragon Ball. Just ugh, fucking can't do it. Can't fucking do it. 
Uh, anyway, it's a it's a 2D shooter uh, where you play as Goku on the flying Nimbus shooting sure. whatever, shooting stuff that doesn't look like it belongs in a Dragon Ball Z or a Dragon Ball game. But uh, I don't know. Johnny, I think it's cool. Uh, that's all. That's- I mean, it's the, it's the first. Look, it's a very popular series. And the first of any very popular series is rightfully expensive. And that makes it objectively cool that you got like, I mean, it's, uh, you know, a piece that people will be after. Are they? I mean, people don't. It's a super cassette vision game. I, I understand, like someone someone wants it because it, it is an already expensive game, but it's sure not on like a lot of people's radar where they might they might want a Tomb Raider for the PlayStation. But those people don't collect video games. Yeah, I guess that's that's where they- I'm coming to to realize, like, oh, like a Punch Out is going to outsell Resident Evil despite being the worst variant because. It's all card and comic people buying this crap. And I'm not yeah, just saying that like, a, oh, it feels like card and comic people are buying this stuff. I'm saying that on a, there people like link to Instagram posts of like, ah, I did it. I spent $200,000 on a video game. And every other post on the, the account is like a sports card. So, yeah. And their name well, will be like, whatever comics. It's not that I don't even like Mike Punk. Mike Tyson's punch out. I think it's great. But if you're going to buy like the oval seal version and spend more of that than on a sealed resident evil, a game that is very super important and like the, the historical relevance of it way more important than punch out, even though punch out has a lot of significance, but this game is more important than punch out. I mean, the oval seal outsold the circle seal in the same auction. Cause it was in slightly better shape. It was a 9.88 plus plus job. And that's insane. And that's but, yeah, insane to me too. Are. And, like, if the Oval Seal is worth $300,000, like, there are a couple uh, white button ones that are the first prints. Like, what are those worth? $3 million? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and like I said, it's not that uh, it's not that Mike Tyson's Punch-Out isn't important or interesting because it has a very interesting story. And, like, what happens to the Punch-Out franchise is interesting because of Mike Tyson's personal arc and everything. It, yeah, it's an important game. And it's good. Uh, and, and everyone had it on the Nintendo. But Resident Evil is Resident Evil. It is. It's like Resident the Evil genre, kept Andrew. the lights on at Sony uh, for, you know, a decade uh, and spawned infinite clones and, you know, labeled the system, uh, you know, like what it was, the survival horror system. You know, that's Punch Out didn't do that. So, so if you want to at me and tell me Punch Out, why you think Punch Out's more important, um, no, you're wrong. Sorry. Uh, it's got a licensed athlete, Johnny. So, oh. so well, my first appearance of Mike Tyson, I think. Uh, it, it's funny because those people, the same people, uh, a lot of those people will argue that Mike Tyson wasn't the best uh, heavyweight of all time. And I think uh, Prime Mike Tyson is the scariest boxer who ever lived. Uh, Maybe. I don't know anything about boxing. I bet Brock Lesnar could kill him, though, Johnny. Am I right? Uh, scariest boxer that ever lived. Okay. He, like Tyson... <laughs> Tyson destroyed guys who were like six eight, you know, and he's just this tiny little just destroyed them in the ring. Just, I've only seen so uh, like gifts of Mike Tyson. I don't know anything about Mike Tyson. Okay, so just go watch. Uh, there, there's plenty of good YouTube videos. Go watch uh, Tyson's greatest knockouts. It'll be like a nine minute long video, and you'll see him just like destroy twenty people. Okay, destroy them. Can uh, can you speculate on Brock Lesnar versus Mike Tyson? Who wins? Uh, boxing match. Mike no, Tyson kills. Just him. they both are put in a gladiator ring and have to kill each other. 
Oh, well then, like, probably Lesnar, just <laughs> because it's, like, a different thing. But Brock Lesnar is, like, not even a human being. That's true. Um, like, and I, I mean, like, Mike Tyson is scary and becomes, like, uh, like, a monster in the ring. But I think Brock Lesnar might be a human monster. Like, that guy, I think that oh, guy like, could kill someone. Like a someone T-Rex. Tonight. Like, yeah, yes. Like, Brock Lesnar, way scarier. Like, if it said Brock Lesnar's footsteps approaching, <laughs> way scarier than, than Rex. <laughs> way scarier that's all i'm saying all right anyways uh is that it is that that it what you yeah, that's what you talk about um johnny i've been playing uh some diablo 2 not as much though the i'm in this mode right now where sometimes that i get when i play these sort of endless games like diablo and runescape where i'm just like hyper aware of my inevitable death and i'm just wondering like I could. I only have so many weeks left of life to be productive and do something that matters. And I'm sitting here playing Diablo two, and I'm just in one of those moods. And so I'm not. I've not been obsessed with it lately because of that. Uh, oh. well, I'm sorry to hear that you're spiraling. I'm not spiraling. You just you know you. If I'm playing The Last of Us, The Last of Us Part Two is like what thirty hours. It's like yeah, all right. I played The Last of Us two. This is. Uh, is it? an important cultural game kind of like they spent a hundred million dollars making it everyone's plays it everyone's gonna talk about it forever i feel like i've accomplished something but just sitting there grinding mephisto runs in diablo 2 it's like i'm gonna die and this is all i did with my life what's going on guys yeah well could be worse could have been wow that's true it could be grinding mounts like some kind of maniac stefan anything to say about that all right we should stop making that a joke He honestly had, he was on us planning the episode and had a work thing come up at like the yeah. last second. Um, and then anyway. Johnny, I've been playing Friday the 13th, um, which yeah. I already said, I, I, you, you can beat Friday the 13th. So the punch out aspect of that game is so janky that it's, it doesn't feel like it's hard to beat, but I still can't beat Jason on the third day because the timing is so weird because I don't know when you like dodge in that game, it dodges for too long. And then you get, when you come you back again, he, you go back into his second punch before you can dodge again. Oh, it's such a janky it's game. It's a bullshit. It's a bullshit timing thing. Yeah. I know exactly. It's so what you're talking dumb. About. The rest of the game is pretty cool though. Like there's like optional yeah. stuff to do. Like you can go kill Mrs. Voorhees for power ups. Like Friday the 13th is a cool game. Uh, also awesome that they put that in there. Yeah. Like one of the, if you go to lists of games notable for negative reception on Wikipedia, Friday the 13th on the NES is one of the five games from the 1980s notable for negative reception, basically exclusively because there's an angry video game nerd episode about it, I guess. But also Jekyll and Hyde is one of the five games like, okay, Jekyll and Hyde, you got like the pop culture reason, angry video game nerd. It's a big meme. Like, okay, notable for negative reception, sure. But Friday the 13th, like, pretty good game in terms of like concept, at least. Especially for an LGN title. For all the bullshit that was released in the 1980s, you're going to tell me Friday the 13th is the top five most notable for being bad? Are you out of your mind? Yeah, they are. I mean, but so when people make a list like that, they need a name that will catch, right? You can't just be like, oh, uh, Casino Kid 2 wasn't great. I mean, there's a game called Squidge, if you've never heard of it, for ZX Spectrum. And it's very popularly considered... Well, okay, so Squidge, the retail cassette of this game, it literally, out of the box, does not work. You have to edit the code yourself 
to make it work. And then it's an awful game besides that, popularly considered the worst ZX Spectrum game of all time, if not the worst game of all time. Uh, and like uh, maybe yeah, that doesn't have the like... pop culture relevance of angry video game nerd, but there's still a very hardcore group that would consider that one of the worst games ever made. So I don't. I, I mean, but people like it, it's got to have some ring to it. That's why it's like E.T., uh, Superman 64, uh, Aquaman GameCube, right? Aquaman or was it PS- Is Aquaman GameCube on the list? I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. It's like was really bad. Um, you know, Aquaman like, GameCube. Game, game we famously ranted about for coming out like it came out the same time as a new Aquaman series and is based on the old Aquaman making no sense whatsoever. Yeah. We've talked about Aquaman more than anyone has ever talked about Aquaman games ever. Um, anyways, Johnny, is that it? Did we do the episode? It's, it's three hours. It's somehow we were still three hours. Yeah. I don't know how. Um, yeah, let's wrap this. Let's wrap this episode up. Tyler, where can we find you? I'm on the Instagram. I haven't posted in a month, but I also haven't been on the video game stage in a month. But uh, I'm Default Gen, Default G-E-N, taking a social media break, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you didn't post about it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Stefan. Sorry. It's just so sorry, <laughs> Stefan. I just can't help myself. All right. And I am Johnny underscore Ayuchi. You can find me... Uh, on instagram i'm posting a lot but a lot of these are like pretty done posts i'm like have them ready because my life does not allow me to take this many pictures um but you should be watching uh if you if you didn't look go halloween gaming 2021 is the tag and then octavania but if you hit either of those tags you should find if you follow halloween gaming 2021 you'll find the octavania stuff in there as well but if you just want to see castlevania games let's go so find me on instagram and you can also find me on our patreon so if you want to join us you want to be someone who submits questions hangs out on our discord with a bunch of awesome knowledgeable people uh you can join us at patreon.com slash collectors quest and you can join for as little as two or as much as six dollars uh, but don't spend, don't try and spend any more than that. I like, if I'm suggesting like go to the $4 range, because then you get after dark episodes and additional content Though we haven't made some of that in a while. We will be getting to it shortly. So more of that is coming. But if you just want to talk to the discord people and ask the questions, $2. Uh, but if you don't totally understand, don't, uh, and if you can't afford it, or if you're struggling in any way, please stay away from any kind of donations to me. I, I do not want it. And also, uh, if you've got a spouse, a loved one, or someone who's in the same household with you, let me know and I'll give them an additional invite. Um, so if we're, for a few guys listen together or something like that. The promo's too long. That's it. Cut it. We're e-begging. Sorry. Stop it. I'm not e-begging. I'm <laughs> telling people not to spend money on us if they can't and giving caveats on like how I'm giving them extra if they want in. Stop it. No Stop one cares. Rude. The, the show's free. Yeah. Just keep listening to us for free. We love you. Yeah, that too. All right. That's it. Show's over. Bye. That is our show. We do have errata this week. Uh, I believe I said that the alien in AX2 Nostromo appears in beautifully rendered ASCII art and, and eats you or something. So in Nostromo, the bad guy is represented by an ASCII at sign. And when he catches you, it's actually like a full screen ASCII art of the at sign. It's it's better than the alien. An at sign kills you. Just wonderful. Also, Johnny found some like $20 copies of uh, House of Usher. Uh, that's the 1986 House of Usher, also for Atari 8-Bit. We're talking about the 1980 House of Usher, 
which came in a plastic baggie. Unsurprisingly, I could not find any record of sale. I'm sure it's incredibly expensive just because all baggy games are pretty expensive. And even more minor errata, I said at the beginning of this show, let's start instead of let's go, just to see if anyone would complain. All right, I gotta get through the patrons because the kids are gonna come for Halloween and I'm very upset. Thank you to 8-Bit for our intro music, 8bit.bandcamp.com for more chiptune music like that. APE like the monkey and our patrons Richard patron number one Bowden Canadian variant alert Chris Glidden Nintendo world champion Daniel Jacksvick high-end collector Andrew Brim 50 Hertz is good enough for me Andre Ben Parker a bad enough dude to rescue the president video games were meant to be slabbed Brandon Ackley Brian Gupta and Pocky and Rocky with Becky mint condition Brian J Mora the strictly limited super rare Bruno Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson, Chris SNK, too many NES accessories, Morozek, still one of the hardest ones to say. Johnny's GBA hookup, Coffee with Mr. Saturn, Playing with Power, Connor Strange, The Last Game You Need for the Set, Corey O'Brien, Unpunched Hangtab, Dustin Beagle, He Has Returned to Judge This City, Eric Addison, Man of Nintendo in the World of Nintendo, Funky Brewsta, The Actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, Jeff the Game Boy Ferris, Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados, Lance Lord Hardstyle Z, and Lady Hardstyle, The Degenerate Matt Fall, Mr. CIB, get your loose Genesis carts out of here! Funko Land employee, Platform Agnostic, Red the Game Shark, The Famicom Box Retro Game Enthusiast, Vintage Game Connoisseur, who knows they're better than modern games, The Fuzzy, Sean the Gamer Collective, the new craft who can beat Mega Man without the pause trick, previously unknown variant, Tim Walker from the internet, Todd Fisher, can't put limits on collecting, VG Collectaholic, the Willennium, Will Joe, keeper of the Zelda variant, Zero X Def Code. Do you have strong opinions on that uh, 700,000 TM Zelda sale? Pretty. How is it less than the second for people are crazy? Am I right, Defco? People are crazy. Paying a million dollars for a video game is crazy, but if you're gonna pay a million dollars for a video game like Sealed First Prince Zelda, right? Yep, alright. I'm sorry. Getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't. All caps! What a 9.8, A++ Benji, the actually rare bird dog gaming, Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode. Does anyone even get that reference anymore? Dropping the Mario 64 Penguin off the map, Brandon Chacker, still finding deals in 2021, Colton Murphy, a winner is him, David Green, Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show, still got eight hours on the clock to technically get this out for Halloween, Don Libby, the hero of time, actually understands the Zelda timeline, Jeff Pierce, he is error, Jeff Russell, Jeremy Jarvis, here for the Pog Talk, Jim Jacobs, world record holder of best collection, Joe actually plays his games champ pity, video game art collector because video games are art, Justin Chichio, lateral movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up, Michael posting in the discord right now, Chiara Monty, Nick the video game database Morgan, homebrew mastermind Divertov, the other guy who collects Korean releases, peaceful games, dungeon master Reed Stubenick, the promoter retro RPG podcast, High Definition 16-Bit Graphics, Stevie Lou, Tom Obscure Variant Chaser Chase, Zaventorian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games, 
Andrew actually collecting Engage. Oh, B-Nugs! B-Nugs! Chesno, all your base are belong to him. Colby, he is Sinistar. Corhagen does what Nintendo don't. Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon. The modern database, Danny Gomez. The philatelist, Dork Overlord. My childhood PlayStation idol, Game-Rave.com. A guy who definitely knows the PlayStation is not a, quote, garbage console, unquote. Go, he, he's got like a review of Skydiving Extreme, a game you probably passed in the dollar bin a hundred times, and it's, it's like pretty cool. There's so many games like that on PlayStation that no one ever plays. Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon. Collector of everything, including Atari, Kalen McAteer, Sam, Sega Mark III Marks, and Sean the Video Game Illuminati LaCroix. Thank you guys so much.